All right, drop the beat. <laughs> Who's Gary? Gary Hoffman. He's my best friend. I am understandably curious. Shannon Farron. Use sarcasm to distance people. And yet you're still here. There's some serious business right here. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> you think that's going viral? <laughs> that's going viral. Oh, man, so much is happening today. We have the strongest storm of the year, more emergency alerts. We've got the White House trying to deflect from the lead attorney for the president. The lead attorney that's handling the response to the Russia investigation, he's out. So the White House is trying to spin cycle this and put together a a press conference about the first steps toward imposing tariffs on China. Look this way. Look this way. Look over here. And locally today, big day at noon, there is a district judge in federal court that's going to hear uh, hear arguments about all the homeless that have been moved from the Santa Ana Riverbed into those area motels. Judge is going to hear from the three cities where Orange County wants to throw all these homeless people, Laguna Niguel, Irvine and Huntington Beach, about their protestations over the plan. Oh, and did you mention that it's raining? I did. I know, but a lot. There was one place already in San Luis Obispo County that has recorded nine inches of rain as a result of this storm that's come through. Well, didn't they say yesterday this was like six months of rain coming down in 36 hours? Absolutely. Our own Chris Carlo has been out in the Montecito, Santa Barbara area, keeping an eye on things. Chris, uh, I saw the video that you posted. I retweeted it at Gary and Shannon. Pretty amazing that the creek that's rolling through there behind you in the video is as powerful as it is. But you also said the good news is it's not high like it was back on January 9th. Yeah, it's not high. And uh, we had a couple moments this morning where the the creek level did rise to somewhat concerning uh, zone but then it quickly subsided and the reason for that is because we're getting the rain up in the foothills we're not really getting a lot of rain in Montecito right now and uh, I was just looking at the storm total map that is put out by Santa Barbara County and the only place that we're really seeing the threshold that exceeds that half inch per hour zone is uh, up to the northwest of Santa Barbara there was a spot that it hit about 0.74 inches in an hour and that is uh, that is well above that threshold meanwhile over in this neck of the woods, we saw a reading of 0.47 inches per hour uh, way up in the mountains. That's of concern because at some point that water starts flowing downhill. But here in Montecito, we're sitting at uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, 0.15 inches per hour. And so they are below that, uh, that, again, half inch per hour threshold, which is good news. And it's been kind of an odd storm to watch because it's um, it's almost like there's been this weird force field up over Montecito itself. And the, the storm has moved around the uh, the Santa Barbara County area that has been, of course, inundated with rain after the Thomas fire. Um, and meanwhile, down in Ojai and down in uh, Santa Paul. They're just getting hammered right now. You move up towards San Luis, Luis Obispo, they're also getting hammered right now. And uh, and right here in this neck of the woods, things are um, a little bit drier. Alert went out at 519 this morning, waking people up, I'm, I'm assuming, that had not already evacuated. The alert read, flash flood watch in effect for Santa Barbara County. Leave now if you're still in evacuation burn areas. That's not the sort of thing you want to wake up to uh, by any stretch. I was sitting down on uh, Coast Village Drive, which is down really at the bottom of Montecito, um, 
I, I say bottom and top because, of course, Montecito is essentially built into the uh, into the foothills of the San Inez Mountains, and so it's just a couple blocks away from the Pacific Ocean. And I'm sitting down there, uh, minding my own business, uh, trying to figure out what sound I'm going to use. And suddenly, this thing goes off, and of course, you know, I freak out for a second, read it, and um, and then come to understand. Okay, well, they're predicting the, this massive rainfall coming, and of course, they want to make sure that anybody who has not yet heeded that uh, advice that it's not a uh, law enforcement official or a reporter or someone else uh, that they should uh, get on out of town. And yeah, I caught it. It was kind of funny to see everybody's phones go off at the same time, which is more often how we see something major breaking if uh, you're in a disaster zone. The Montecito Creek that you've been uh, keeping an eye on other waterways, is it true that once the rain moves out, uh, reportedly this afternoon moves to the east, that they're still in danger uh, with those creeks rising? Yeah, they are. Uh, so I was just talking with a uh, spokesman with the Santa Barbara County Fire Department, and what they're looking at is a zone until about 9 o'clock tonight, uh, and that's about the point where they're going to start breathing a little bit easier. Um, and then on into tomorrow, there's still a little bit of worry that you know things could loosen up, loosen up on the hillside, but w- without that extra energy of the rain falling actively, um, we wouldn't see it slide all the way down to where we are right now. So uh, he said that, you know, if things continue trending the way they have today, then things will look good as we head towards the evening. And then by tomorrow, they can start releasing some of the firefighters. So a lot of guys up here actually from uh, Orange County Fire Authority and Long Beach uh, Fire Department, um, they have uh, a little bit of expertise when it comes to search and rescue in this sort of a situation. And so they were all also up here, by the way, back right after that January 9th event. I saw I was trailing some uh, some firefighters from Orange County who were going door to door. Uh, throughout these neighborhoods just trying to check on things and you know even still now two months removed we continue to hear some of the uh, harrowing stories of what happened in those moments after the uh after the months like we just heard a story about a, a kid he was um swept away from his house and went all the way down to the 101 and he remembered everything as it was happening um and you know as the story was told to me secondhand you know this, this kid's remembering as you know a car is flying by him as boulders are flying by him and uh, all the way until like at the very end he walks out of the mud flow that had gathered underneath the 101 freeway um and he was dazed and confused and naked his clothes had been stripped off and uh you know a first responder had to um grab him and rush him to the hospital where i believe he's still hospitalized now yeah i heard you're in uh in the news at the top there about people kind of becoming engineers in their own front yard to try to protect their homes yeah, that's the the other thing that we've seen happen a lot. So uh, there was one guy that I talked to yesterday way, way down at the bottom of the hill uh, who had taken the boulders out of his front yard to build a dam. I think I told you guys about that yesterday. There was another guy who I ran into further upstream, up really in the middle of the disaster zone, and his house had been half wiped out, uh, and he was a landscape architect, and he was uh, digging a ditch in order to encourage the water to run off directly into the creek instead of you know, maybe collecting in his front yard. Um, and 
you know, those are the little things that you see along the way. I was, I was also impressed. I just took a walk right alongside the creek for, uh, for about a half mile or so just to kind of survey how things are shaping up. And uh, there are some properties that have already begun rebuilding, um, you know, just little things that they can use to rebuild bigger things. So, you know, sheds and, and outhouses where they can store uh, material and where they can store um, equipment in order to, to rebuild their homes. Some of these homes... You know, likely never to be rebuilt. Um, you know, someone else is going to move in here. I talked to one guy. He said his neighbor's definitely not coming back. She's given up on her property. She doesn't want to deal with it. And on top of it, it's just the memory of this entire community that will never be the same that she does not want to confront anymore. So that's the uh, the reality, unfortunately, is that this this community is going to have to deal with this scenario for the next three or four years because the burn scar doesn't just magically go away. You know, this stuff doesn't regrow overnight, not in this climate. Chris Ancarlo has joined us. He's up in the Montecito area in Santa Barbara where a lot of the uh, the rain that has come through has fallen. Is there a uh, – you mentioned this is not over. Is there a specific time of day today that they're concerned where we could see some of the, the heavier rainfall that could cause some of these problems? Initially, that time of day, that, that heavy window was right now. And uh, because of the way this storm has behaved throughout the morning, they're saying that if, if we see anything else, it'll be later on, later on mid-morning and perhaps early afternoon. But um, yeah, as it is right now, there's kind of an, uh, an uneasy caution, if that makes sense, where they understand that perhaps the worst has passed, but who knows with storms like this, if it shifts just off to the uh, to the northwest a little bit, that heavy banding of rain that's been moving into Ventura County could, of course, just target and pummel right into here. And so that's what they uh, they're keeping an eye on. Again, nine o'clock, I think, is the the, the uh, time of demarcation where. Uh, first responders around here can start to breathe a little bit easier. It looks like the county did a pretty uh, damn good job here. Uh, there was a huge drive to clear the creeks and the debris basins above Montecito and Carpinteria there uh, so that the rain would be funneled through those and not into neighborhoods and lift homes off the foundations like we saw back in January. They said they, they cleared more than 50,000 truckloads of mud from those creeks and debris basins. Yeah, what's remarkable about that is that 50,000 truckloads, that's a lot, sounds like a lot, but they have probably four or five times as much that they still have to get out of here. Uh, you know, in what you're talking about with the, the debris and uh, the uh, drainage basins, um, you know, a lot of that they, they had Mother Nature's help because even though the basins ended up being full of all this debris, it was looser debris than what, what perhaps they would have had to have dealt with beforehand. And so um, the, the process of getting this stuff out was a little bit easier, not to mention you also have that additional uh, political will, which is making sure that all hands are on deck and they're calling every last little resource that they can to, to dig this stuff out. But you're exactly right. You know, I'm looking at Montecito Creek right now, and it, it, it is an image that's repeated as you move on up and down the foothills. So this is just one of several creeks that was part of that January 9th event. This, of course, the epicenter, which is why everybody's gathered here. But in each of these creeks, you see really instead of that kind of sharper V that is indicative of a little creek in um, a kind of mini canyon, now it's formed as more of a U. So think more Yosemite than Grand Canyon. And because of that, you have more space for the water to flow. So you, when you have more space, that means more cubic feet of water can flow past any point in a second. And because of that, 
you're not going to find resistance in some of the you know, boulders and tree roots that are adjacent to the bank. And uh, those don't get swept away because once those get swept away, they turn into gigantic battering rams and then everything snowballs. I mean, that's where we get the term, right? Uh, the momentum becomes self-perpetuating. And uh, because they've been able to clear out as much as they have, uh, they've been able to also kind of break that cycle, break that loop a little bit, um, which is helping right now. Now, the other big thing is that we're just not getting the rain that was forecast in the intensity. We may get the storm total, but not the intensity. And that's the uh, the most important thing that they're looking at. How much per hour are we seeing fall from the uh, sky? Well, and it's great. I mean, atmospheric rivers, if they don't uh, cause massive destruction, are great for California because it is so infrequent that we get rain. So if we can get one third to one half a year's rain in three days and it not hurt people and homes, uh, that's a win for California. Yeah, it's a win for California. And I mean, quite frankly, that's the way it's all supposed to work, right? I mean, that's the way God intended for all these things to, to come together. Um, and, you know, I, I remember back at the end of February doing stories over the fact that we haven't seen any rain at all. And then, of course, we had a couple of storms back to back and uh, they, they did a remeasurement of the uh, of the snowpack up in the Sierra just outside of Tahoe up there. Um, and they were like, well, now we're sitting at, and I forget the exact number, I want to say it was around 35% of what the season's average should be. But that was so much better than the single-digit average that we had been sitting at just the week before. And they said, all we need are two more storms like this for the rest of March to get closer to average. And lo and behold, they didn't get two. Now we're into the third one. And I, I am uh, eagerly anticipating that uh, that, that measurement by the end of what is the water year uh, or of the wet season officially, I guess, is what, April 1st, uh, to see what they end up uh, reading way up in Tahoe. I also need to go skiing, but that, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Good luck. Chris, thank you very much. Yeah, of course, guys. Chris and Carlo, they're live in uh, in Montecito. Again, I retweeted uh, his video from just a short time ago, uh, matching trucker hats today, by the way. So uh, kudos to his fashion choices. Um, so it's up there. You can see what it is that he's looking at. And what I found uh, just, I think, stunning is maybe a, the right word. The destruction that we saw immediately after the January 9th storms is still very, very evident. It's still visible over his shoulder as some of those homes that were torn apart originally by the mudslides from back in January 9th that are uh, that are just simply still there, uh, standing the way that they were left uh, after that morning of January 9th. We will stay on top of the rain as it continues to fall here in Southern California. We're going to check back in with Chris uh, a couple times throughout the show. Uh, by the way, your chance to win $1,000 coming up, brought to you by Cunning Dental. Got bad teeth? Poo-poo teeth? Oh. That's what Petros calls them, poo teeth. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. There's no shame in your game. Just get the teeth fixed. Uh, Santa Barbara County, you mentioned this. Santa Barbara's done a good job this time of making sure that all of the information is out there, that everything is ready and prepared. Uh, they did not want to have any sort of a repeat of January 9th, whether it was uh, just people not being aware of what was going on in the storms or that they as uh, emergency responders wouldn't be ready. So they have uh, hundreds of personnel on the streets ready to go in the event that something happens. Well over 400 people, including bulldozers, water rescue teams, the National Guard, high water rescue vehicles. There's 10 of them out there right now. Uh, they have several four-wheel drive fire engines and a four-wheel drive ambulance ready to respond in the event of an emergency. But I love that they also gave statistics on the animals that they're sheltering. 
Well, there's a lot of animals up there. I know, but you know, listen. People, people worry about that. Uh, there are 76 horses, 8 donkeys, a pig, 13 goats and sheep, 7 alpacas or llamas. It's like Noah's Ark. 4 cows, 7 rabbits, and 14 chickens. That's just as a, uh, at the Earl Warren Fairgrounds. Or the Christmas it. song. What's the turtle dove song? Uh, 12 Days of Christmas. That's kind of what that sounds like a little at, bit with animals. At know? San Bernardino Animal Services, they have 117 animals. 18 guinea pigs, seven rabbits, yep. one gecko. Do it in the tune of 12 Days of Christmas. I can't. Sure you can. And one gecko in an insurance company commercial. Uh, and then they have chicken. They still have chickens left over from the January 9th storm that they're sheltering as a result of all of that. So anyway, this is one of the stories that we will keep an eye on. We'll bring you updates throughout the course of the show today. At least every break, we'll give you an update on what's going on. The, the rain itself is all over Southern California. Yesterday, I was able to at least say, hey, it's, Bur- it's uh, you know, there's a band in Ventura or there's a band over uh, Burbank right now. This is from the border all the way up through San Luis Obispo County. There's just a significant storm rolling through. It's so funny, too. I was w- looking through uh, Instagram yesterday, and it's, it's a warm rain, isn't it? I'm driving home, and I had just seen... Uh, Deborah Mark from John and Ken show, she'd posted a picture and it was something to the effect of like all bundled up in the news studio and she's dressed like for winter. Right. And I look and I'm driving home and I look at the, the temperature and it's a 62 degrees. Right. Not that cold. <laughs> I, there's just something that goes on with your with your head when you look outside and you see like blustery weather. Right. And, and you and think, gray. oh, it's cold. I got to bundle up. It's 62 degrees outside. I wore shorts and T-shirts. I told you I took the yeah. dog for a walk. At, right after it stopped raining at my house, there was a good break of four or five hours where it was where it didn't rain. Sidewalks to, had dried out to the point. I took the dog for a walk. I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt yeah. last night and didn't feel warm. uncomfortable. So uh, there's that. But, again, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Chris is actually going to join us a little bit later in the show as well uh, as he's keeping an eye on the Montecito Creek and uh, or I should say creeks in Montecito. Just got to say the rain is apropos for what's happening today in Pomona. Uh, yesterday on my way home and today on my way into work, I was going westbound on the uh, on the 210 and I saw I saw some black and whites. From other jurisdictions in California, I believe up in the Bay Area. I forget where it was, maybe Atherton. I'm not sure, but up in the Bay Area. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. I wonder where they're headed. And then this morning I saw the news that the service for Officer Gregory Casillas is being held today at a church in Pomona. And you look at the weather and it is so apropos for remembering the life of this rookie police officer who was shot and killed in the face when a, sp- a suspect fired through him, uh, through a door and into him in Pomona. He was just 30 years old. It was the last day of his training shifts. He had a wife he left behind, two kids, again, just 30 years old. He had just worked for the Pomona police office six months when he was killed just a couple weeks ago. This was the officer and his partner who had given chase to a car, um, The guy gets out of the car, runs into a building, they follow, and this monster just fires through the door willy-nilly at at these officers. The the service itself uh, has begun already at Purpose Church. It started about an hour ago. When it wraps up, they're going to go on to Gary Avenue to Mission Boulevard, west on Mission to White Avenue, north on White to the westbound 10 to Via Verde and then to the uh, to the cemetery at Forest Lawn, Covina Hills. The uh, 
there are a couple of people who are in the uh, service and have been tweeting some of the lines, some of the information about what is being said uh, about Officer Casillas. And Gregory Casillas IV, uh, his dad, said about his son, he was twice the man I was. So That just gave me chills. It's one of those – we've said this before, and I, it, I don't – it's never a memory I think that's gonna that's gonna leave me is is being in uh seeing a law enforcement funeral, someone killed in the line of duty, especially. It's a life cut too short funeral. And I think that many of us have probably been in those. Uh when somebody dies and it's not their time. This isn't your grandparents' funeral, you know, this isn't someone who's lived a long life. This is someone who is in the middle or the beginning of living their life. And um in this case in Gregory Casillas's case, this was his dream. He was just starting out on his dream. And his dream was to protect people and to put his life on the line every day to do so. And I think that gets lost when we start talking about the debates over police officers and misuse of force and all of that stuff. And I know that it does happen. I know that there are some bad seeds out there. We can't all be wonderful at our jobs. But you can't forget the fact that these people put their life on the line every day. They have no idea who they're going to encounter. Gregory Casillas didn't know he was going to give chase to someone and that person was going to be armed and then just fire through a door like a coward and take him from his wife and his two little kids. Every day they go in with the fear of worst case scenario. And I don't know how you do that job. I don't know. I do not have enough cojones to ever do that for one day or one hour. And then to to not take it home every day. Right. I mean, there's a level of stress that that you're you're on. I mean, you put that uniform on and you get out that you're on all the time, observing, watching, responding, putting yourself in dangerous situations, dealing with people on their worst days of their lives a lot of times, and then to go home and let it I just let it go, you know, play with your kids, have fun, cook dinner, whatever it is and just not bring that home and i can't imagine that and that's just for them i mean think about the wives or the or the husbands you know that know that they have no control out of keeping their loved ones safe i just anyway uh a lot of um emotion probably going on uh all around southern california as they see that procession there We'll come back in just a couple seconds here. We're going to talk about what's going on in Austin. We know a little bit about the guy uh, who eventually turned himself into grape jelly. Oh, man. Police did a bang-up job in that investigation, didn't they? Can we find a different term? Yes. Okay. What would you say? They did a great job. That's even better. I mean, they worked quickly. The the I know I know we always make fun of press conferences where everyone's patting each other on the back. They right. deserved it. There deserved to be some some back padding. More on Austin in just a second, but first an opportunity for you to win a thousand bucks. Here's how you're going to do it. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword cash to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to two hundred two hundred. And make sure that you answer the phone. If you win, they'll give you a call. But if you don't answer the phone, they'll move on to somebody who does answer the phone and give them the thousand bucks. You said this, uh, I believe, a couple days ago that you'd watch this movie. One of us said that. 
We'd watch this movie Absolutely. about the investigation well, into the Austin bomber. I can picture it in my head. I in, could picture that war room, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The war room, you've got a bunch of different screens up, and you have somebody calling the shot. So I need cell phone records on this guy immediately. Yeah. And find, as soon as we find out, I want to triangulate and his... cross-checking the DMV records right. with Home Depot receipts. Give me his bank account. Tell me where he's been spending his money. I need the surveillance camera footage from every FedEx store in the greater area to find out where this guy is. I told you I was reading this book. Uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. Yes. I finished it. It's excellent. True crime book about um, the person that she dubbed the Golden State Killer, uh, rapist and killer that struck in the late 70s, early 80s in California. And part of the frustration that she has and that investigators have working all of those crimes is there was no departmental uh, cohesion. Like wow. the, the local guys didn't want to share information. The guys from Northern California didn't want to share information with the guys from Southern California. And neither one of them wanted to share information with the FBI. Everyone had this like attitude of, we got this. We don't need any help. We, we've got this investigation. Is this is a, ours. Is that just a pride thing? I think so. And it's changed. That's why these press conferences, they do the back slapping. Right. And now I, I realize how important that is. All right. We'll talk about that. We'll come back and uh, explain what's going on in Austin today. Plus... Before we end this hour, we got to get into this uh, chest puffery that's going on between the president and the former Speaking vice president. Speaking of pride. I don't get this. Gary and Shannon will continue. I believed you were crazy. You Gary and Shannon. It's Thursday, March 22nd. Keeping an eye on the storm prompted several flash flood warnings that uh, will be up through most of the day. Even a chance for some thunderstorms to come in on the back end of this storm later tonight. So uh, we're not out of the woods yet. We could see some pretty significant rainfall totals, uh, hourly rainfall rates that could prompt some mudslides. So it is definitely not over. Uh, at the top of the hour, by the way, Justin Warsham's going to join us, host of the Dad Podcast. How to keep your kids on sleep schedules and why it is my wife killed the baby whisperer. She didn't mean to, but she killed the baby whisperer. <laughs> that just shows how powerful your thoughts are. <laughs> Perhaps it does. Well, it looks like the serial bomber in Austin, this unemployed college dropout, left behind a 25-minute cell phone video. Here's here's the good news. This is according to the chief who saw this 25-minute video. Here's the good news. He described seven explosive devices, and we have identified and, and, and are no longer in play those seven devices. Excellent. Perfect, right? Here's the bad news. He does not at all mention anything about terrorism, nor does he mention anything about hate. But instead, it is the outcry of a very uh, challenged young man talking about challenges in his personal life that led him to this point. Uh, I don't know when we're going to see or read what it is that he says in that video. It's going to be some time, I would imagine, before they release that, if ever. But um, th this has this smacks of the Las Vegas shooting to me in that this guy offs himself or was offed by the police, depending on how the coroner finally puts this, uh, without explaining 
what it is or why it is he did this. But he did. He left behind the 25-minute video. Right, the right. Vegas guy left behind nothing. Well, yeah, there's that. But, I mean, even if he's able to describe or explain, like the chief referred to there, these challenges in his life. We don't know what's what in the video, challenges? though. I don't know. But we the video might explain everything. You know, I mean, if with Vegas, we got nothing. I mean, no social media. Everything was scrubbed. No video. Absolutely nothing. We have no idea what pissed that guy off so much that he had to go kill all those people. To the point that now, even six months after the shooting in, in Vegas, the New York Times is running articles about the guy. Here's what the surveillance video right. shows us, which is it's absolutely still a mystery. nothing. still a mystery. Uh, so I think that we will be hearing more details about what led him to to carry out these uh, these bombing attacks. I found it so interesting. I mean, not every investigation works like a Law & Order episode or CSI or any of that. Not everything can be... There's not always evidence, right? There's not always physical evidence, DNA evidence. There's sometimes very little, little bits. Sometimes there's not even a body in a murder case. Um, so when things happen like this, it kind of fits into one of those like 60-minute type shows. Because I was reading this morning in the New York Times about... How they just had that one lead to go on that that grainy surveillance video inside that uh, around Austin FedEx store of him walking in with the wig and the gloves. They were able to see behind him a picture of a Ford Ranger, I believe it was. So they started looking at all the license plates for Ford Rangers. And then they noticed that the gloves, there were pink gloves, that those were sold exclusively at Home Depot. So they went to area Home Depot, started pulling receipts and cross-checking them with the Ford Ranger DMV documents and came up with this one guy. I thought that was fascinating the way they, the way they were able to do that. It's just, I mean, it may have been high tech in terms of them using computers, but it's just basic gumshoe work. detective yeah. police work that, that leads to something like this. Right. Um, and that's good. I mean, that's a, that's one of those things where we can be proud of the work that was done because if, if he had more time, he would have taken down more people. I mean, they were talking about looking through the computers that he had access to. He was searching for more addresses in, to, to send these packages to. You know, you bring up a good point about the fact that the police have taken a look at this 25-minute video, and they say he doesn't mention terrorism or hate or he hates this or that. And if it is just challenges he's faced in his life, uh, are we facing um, more of a problem with kids who face challenges and uh, there's a little bit of mental health dabbed in there? And with you, you an ability to deal with You know who you're not hearing from this week, not to get political and not to get into the gun debate, but you're not hearing from the people that want to lock up everyone's guns on this. Right. This, this calls for common sense bomb it's laws. It's the same now. kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing of uh, killing random people because you're pissed off the way your life went. Right. And there's something going on where this is happening. It feels like it's happening more where people want to hurt other people because they feel slighted. And and they're doing it in, with guns, of course, but they're also doing it with homemade bombs. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the number is still, thankfully, it's minuscule. Yes. But it is a number that can't be ignored. We're talking about people who otherwise their lives are fine. I mean, this guy's a 23-year-old guy. He had some education. He was perfectly, as far as we understand, physically capable of holding down a job. He just was unemployed. So 
Is that partly because he was brought up to believe that mom and dad are going to take care of him for the rest of his life? Is if you're that, 23 and you're yeah. not working, well, that's the thing. Something is very wrong. I mean, I don't want to say it's indicative of a generation, but it just seems like the whole I have challenges in my life and I don't want to deal. You know, I don't know. I just feel like that's more pervasive of people not of feeling uncomfortable of facing challenges right, or I, losing a job or not getting exactly their way, whether it's, whether it's going into like a, you know, uh, this job isn't exactly what I want to do it, exactly what I want to do in life. So I'm not going to do it. Right. You know, whose job when they were in their late teens, early twenties was perfect for them. It wasn't, but you knew you had to make money. So you went ahead and you had to do did something. the crap. Yeah. You had to take your steps and, and make your progress as opposed to just, you know, that's not realizing the, that you have a dues gap and you don't want to put the work in. You not getting your dream job when you're 23 is not the world crapping on you. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's just a strange thing. I and I the the most uncomfortable times in our lives, not to be too philosophical, philosophical. The most uncomfortable times in our lives are those times when we've learned the most. Yes. Whether it's you uh you had no idea where rent was going to come from and it was due 4 days later. Or you had no idea how this relationship was going to turn out, or, or you had no idea if she was pregnant, or you had no—I mean, all of these, th- all these incredibly uncomfortable things that have gone on in everyone's lives. Standing in that check cashing line with the bars on the window made me a stronger person. You knew, like, there's something <laughs> to learn from that instance. Yes. For example, I never want to be in this situation <laughs> right, again. Right. And how am I going to make sure next time that I'm not here a month from now right. or two weeks? Pay from attention now? to your finances. Excellent, there's excellent a good point. Lesson. So, that, but. There's a, but there's a feeling I, I, I get from people who are 15, 18, 25 years old in these uncomfortable situations who have not the mental capacity to deal with it or to work their way out of it or to put some math into figuring out how they're going to avoid these problems in the future because they think they're stuck in it. Right. And I think what we've seen is, at least in the context of, of what we saw in Florida when the guy shot up the high school there, he blamed everyone else mm-hmm. for all of his stuff. I mean, he had a list of grievances against people who probably never knew he hated them, whether it was individual people or groups of people. He felt like he was the victim and had to lash out. And this is one of those guys. He felt like he was the victim for some reason and had to lash out at different uh, at, at other people, whether it was random or targeted. I don't get it. I just and maybe that's because we're not. Well, you're not owed anything, you know. You're not owed anything. You got to go out and and do the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. If we could just tell other people that. Hey, uh, what do you want to yes. talk about next? I want to talk about the president, the vice president. Okay. Trump v. Biden. Who's your money on? Uh, if you put those two in a ring. Honestly, I would have to say Donald Trump. I think I just don't think the coordination is there. Biden, as we know, was the best athlete. Right. So I think that he'd be more coordinated. But Donald Trump says he was the best athlete. So does Joe Biden. We'll have to go back and check. Tale uh, tale of the tape when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, K 
KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. We are keeping an eye on the storm moving through Southern California. It hasn't been as ferocious as some some forecasters worried, but it is providing record rainfall. The most we should be getting between now and 2 o'clock. We'll be checking back in with Chris Carlo up there in the Santa Barbara area. Looks like so far so good. They did a great job of clearing out the debris debris basins and the creeks there so the mud can make its way out to sea. More than 30,000 people yesterday got those evacuation orders. They're not messing around after what happened in January there. This is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. This PP match between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is embarrassing. It's like the fight at the end of the bar at 2 a.m. at the home. <laughs> There's a bar at the home? Hell yeah, at the home I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not new. In fact, before the election, before the 2016 election, they were trading barbs back and forth. Here is what uh, Joe Biden said. The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. <laughs> he was upset. The lead into that was he was upset about what the president was caught saying on that uh, Billy Bush taped Access Hollywood tape about grabbing women because he's a star and he can do anything he wants. The next day, also on the campaign trail. Did you see where Biden wants to take me to the back of the barn? Me. The gym, actually. To... I'd love that. I'd love that. Mr. Tough Guy. You know when he's Mr. Tough Guy? When he's standing behind a microphone by himself. That's when he's been. He wants to bring me to the back of the barn. Oh. Uh, then at a talk in Miami this week. Well, I've been in a lot of rock, locker rooms my whole life. A pretty damn good athlete. Any guy who talked that way was usually the fattest, ugliest SOB in the room. All right. And then this morning on the Twitter, President Trump says crazy Joe Biden is trying to act like a tough guy. Actually, he is weak, both mentally and physically. And yet he threatens me for the second time with physical assault. He doesn't know me, but he would go down fast and hard, crying all the way. Don't threaten people, Joe. Wait a minute. He would go down hard, fast and hard, crying all the way, period. Don't threaten me, Joe. Mixed message tweet, isn't it? Well, uh, since we have to play this mental flipping game anyway, we might as well. The 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, 71 years old, six foot three. I feel like we should have Rocky music, ring music, a, like a bell, a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. See what I can find. Maybe a little Guns and Roses, get in the ring. Do you have some stats on Joe Biden at all? Oh, you bet you're right. you're you. Bet. You bet I your do. thing? Mm-hmm. Got it. Let's get some Joe Biden music. Let's Fight music. Do it. Weighing in in this corner, <laughs> Joe R. Biden. Six feet tall, 180 pounds. That's it? So the president has, if you believe the latest statistic, which is 236, I think it's probably closer to 246, according to just everybody who stands next to the guy. So so Donald Trump has maybe 60 and possibly 70 pounds on Joe Biden, 
He's uh, towers over him by three inches. He's four years younger and I, probably has a wingspan. But do you think Donald J. Trump, who has been made of money his entire life with insert golden spoon in his mouth, has ever been in a fight? Has ever had it? Yes. You think he's been in I a do. physical fight? I do think he's been in a physical fight. What, I do think private schools think? And, and, no. and Wharton School of Business is known for their fight clubs. No. I think I think you got the wrong uh, memo on that. What about a military academy? Chances are that while he was in military academy in the 60s and 70s, uh, boxing was a big deal. I heard he uh, had, what is it, the foot foot spores? Bone spurs? Bone spurs. spurs. They got him out of those fights. Really? Well. I just think that this is a... I think Joe Biden... The rich irony of a couple of guys. I think Joe Biden has more anger and coordination than somebody who has had a silver spoon in his mouth his entire life. Uh, I still think that I one good connection with an extra sixty pounds on the guy, he would hurt. I just don't believe in the connection being made. I I, I believe in Biden's ability to bob and weave, dance around. wonder what the odds would be. I just think the rich irony of these two guys. We should get Rich Murata on the phone. That's a good point. Yes. Who for the for the rest of their lives have Secret Service protection are talking about a (laughs) fist fight. We're four years old in America right now. uh... Donald Trump and Joe Biden are talking about fighting each other blow to blow. And Richard Sherman's a 49er. I don't know what to do with 2018. Justin Warsham's going to join us and help us go to sleep. Make the pain go away. Gary oh, and Shannon oh, will continue. You know what we should get in the break? A lullaby music. Okay. Done. Yeah. Oh, I've been shaking. I love it when you go crazy. You take all my inhibitions. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. You take me places that tear up my reputation. Manipulate my decisions. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. Somewhere, Queen Elizabeth is singing. She loves Sean Mendes. Uh, Gary and Shannon. It is uh, Thursday, March 22nd. The bottom of this hour, we're going to get into the story about Eric Garcetti making his way through Iowa. By Can we the talk way, about that for a second? Yeah, no I mean, I one recognizes him. About yeah, what about it? But I kept thinking to myself this morning, all of these presidential campaign trips he's making, he's allegedly doing the business of Los Angeles. Right. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be buying that. We're paying for all these trips, right? Yeah. We're financing his campaign. Right. That's wrong, Hoffman. It's also not new. It's wrong. I don't like to think about that. You're going to put your foot down, aren't you? Also, second and final day, hopefully, fingers crossed, of heavy rains pummeling Southern California. Big flash flood watch for Santa Barbara County went out at 519 this morning. How's that for a wake-up call? We're going to be checking in with Chris Ancarlo. He's up there. Uh, throughout the show. Ooh, aren't we also going to check in with Fritz Coleman, too? <gasps> yes. Get an update on the rain itself. Is it weird if I call him Fritzy? Because yeah. that's what I call him at home. Um, I mean, not when he's in my home, because he's never been in my home. I've, but when I see him on the telly, copy I'll that. stop. All right. It's probably Please better. say telly more, though. We, <laughs> the telly. Uh, Justin Warsham joins us. <laughs> Do you take us. vitamins with your telly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm British, Justin. I uh, noticed. Justin Thanks, from Madonna. The I did, Dad Podcast. I did that 23andMe thing, and it told me I was British. Oh. So now I say things like telly. And tomato. You have to say tomato. Mm-hmm. And boot. 
No more coffee. And, and I Lou, the tea. Lou, I say I'm oh, going to the, the Lou. Lou. And I say I'm going on bathroom. holiday. I'm going on holiday. Water closet? Anybody? Not yet. Hmm. Let's talk about sleep. Mm, Justin, sleep. sleep is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. Correct. Agreed. And the irony is that the second greatest gift sometimes, depending on <laughs> how well you do this, can be children, right? <laughs> can be. But, but to get one. So many qualifiers. <laughs> you have to give up the other. Right. <laughs> and my, it's difficult. My hard. favorite story with this is that when my first son was born, uh, right here at St. Joe's in Burbank, and we, the right over there, my bad, I pointed the wrong way, uh, radio. But the point is the nurses were telling me fun stories about how they would have exhausted parents who would come back and want the wooden and plastic bucket that they were pushing their newborn around in because the kids slept forever while they were in the hospital. And the parents didn't understand that being born is an exhausting process for the baby, too, and that's why they're sleeping. It's just coincidental that three days later, I think that that's why they end the three-day stay. If you have everything goes normal, you're out of there in three days. It's because then the nurses don't have to deal with the fussy baby. You got three days? Yeah. No, I think we were only there for two, actually. I'm sorry. The day of the birth, and then the next day we were discharged later that night. But Dude. they they come back, and they will go, no, I'll give you like $2,000. Just give me give me this thing. <laughs> because they're magical thing. Yes, they are so sleep-deprived, they can't think straight. My wife, uh, infamously with our younger son, I remember hearing her have this moment of insanity where she... Uh, she was feeding our son breakfast, and he wouldn't eat it. And so, she my goes, wife, my wife, she said, uh, she goes, she goes, no, you can't have a cookie for breakfast. Now sit down and eat your donut. Because she was exhausted and stupid, and didn't know those were the same thing in my mind. I bet <laughs> there are hospitals or concierge medicine places where you can pay extra to to have the nurses take care of the baby for just a little bit longer. Yeah, but I yeah, think they call them a night nurse. You can just pay someone to be there and stare at your baby in the room. But but let me use this analogy: the the baby coming out of the birth canal is important because it squeezes the fluid out of their lungs. For one thing, you have to go through that pain, and on the back mm-hmm. end of it, it's better for the baby. In the idea that that you lose some sleep as horribly, bone-achingly bad physically as it can be for you, you come out on the other end a little bit stronger. Like we were talking about people dealing with uncomfortability in their lives, whether it's the lack of a job, they don't know where their next paycheck's coming from. It prompts you to do things. One of the things about lack of sleep that early on is it prompts you to put an emphasis on sleep training the baby, making sure that... You develop a schedule, and I don't understand people who don't do that. I don't understand people who say, yeah. I'm just going to let Johnny go to sleep when he feels like it. That's not a thing and should never be encouraged. No, and the, the most frustrating statistic I've ever read about a newborn baby is that they sleep 18 to 20 hours a day minimum. Because when you are taking care of a newborn baby, it feels like you never do that. And then you hear the thing of, like, well, you sleep when the baby sleeps. But that's in like three-hour intervals. Right. As an adult, you can't really be expected to do that. My dad had great advice. For anybody who's dealing with a young kid out there, I, this helped me a ton. He said, don't do the thing where she gets up to feed the baby, right? Don't do the thing where you get up and just be there for solidarity. He said, because here's the thing. Stroke her hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and go, I'm here with you so that she's And you're not... both tired. Right. And you, yeah. Because exactly. he said, one, one night she will hit a wall. And and you would need to be well rested to tap her out. Right. But he said, until she hits that wall, you just let her run. You let her go. Give her the rock and go. And it happened. And I have <laughs> I have a theory because moms all over always complain about he never hears the baby cry. Never hears it at all. 
my theory is, is that you could hear uh, a, a father hears a mom talking to a baby through their teeth. Like, will you just go to sleep like that? Right. That wakes a man up from dead silence. It's happened to me multiple times. I go, I got him. It's okay. I got him. That was great advice. But you Loosen have to. your grip. <laughs> your grip. <laughs> I play a violin. Yeah. <laughs> but I talked to, on a recent episode of the Dad Podcast, I was fortunate enough to talk to uh, Dr. Craig Canaperi, who is the director of the Yale Sleep Center. Name drop, right? That's a big name. That's, right? that's, that's a good right? get. Right? Yeah. Right? And he is he talks about the same exact thing that you uh, mentioned there, too, Gary, is that he goes, here's the thing. You can't be so rigid with a routine that it's immovable. Uh, he references my love of the book Baby Wise, which is very uh, routine and structured. But he said some parents were taking it so, so far that some babies were getting malnourished because they weren't letting them eat enough. He goes, and that's not really what the intent of the book is. He said, you have to look at it and kind of use your common sense. But. The most common thing, which is another thing, advice I got from my parents. My mom was a respiratory therapist, and she said, the only thing I will tell you and ask that you do with these kids is that you not let them sleep in the bed with you. That co-sleeping is what they call it, is a really big thing. A lot of moms like it because the baby, especially when they can roll over, can kind of roll over and feed at night like a puppy kind right. of thing. And I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. I get that everybody has their own ways. Even Dr. Uh, Perry wouldn't really weigh in. He got kind of political and politician yeah. on me where he's like, well, you know, everybody has their own way. Well, it's really hard to tell people what to do with their kids. Right, yeah. right. As, and- especially if they're dealing with that physical, the the, the physical tiredness of that. Because you, you'd think, well, it's going to be better for both of us if I am more, I'm speaking as a mom now, if I am more uh, alert when the baby needs to be alert and if it just, just cuddle up right next to me kind of thing. I did this. I, we never slept next to the baby in the bed. Uh-huh. But the baby, I put the baby on my chest and fall asleep, which is painful if you do it wrong. Yeah. But in that, because in that instance, when they're that young, I mean, we're talking like maybe a few days, if not a couple of weeks old, but no, no later than that. When the baby starts moving, then you can feel it right away. And before it you know, develops into a full-blown cry or whatever it is, the alarms go off. Everybody's ready to go feed the baby, get back to sleep, that kind of thing. Well, my mother's concern was people who let the baby sleep next to them, they accidentally roll over. And the rest, she was a respiratory therapist in an ER, and she had a ton of babies that would come in that had been suffocated because, unfortunately, mom or dad had been tired, rolled over on top of them, and were too asleep to wake up. And so when I kind of pitched that to Dr. Canapari, his response was, well, here's the thing. He goes, goes, I'm not going to get into a debate about whether co-sleeping is the right or wrong thing, but here's what I can tell you. Or, or about how dangerous is what he said it is. He goes, but what I can tell you is that co-sleeping, even when you put the baby in the bassinet, even though the American Association of Pediatrics suggests that at least for the first year uh, that the you, you have the baby in like a bassinet or next to you, we did like five, six months because then our sons got too big for the bassinet. But he says the earlier that you can get the baby not only in their own bed, but in a separate room, it's better for all sides. Mom and dad sleep better. And the baby sleeps better, uh, statistically. So for you to feel like you have to do that, and he said, actually, he goes, a lot of parents do the sleeping on the chest, right, falling asleep on the chest. He said not only, uh, he goes, that increases the uh, the danger and of, of sleeping because more often than not in the bed is the baby will slide down in a recliner or in a chair on the side and not and, and, and suffocate that way. I messed up my son. We had him solid, and then I came home from the road and he was my first son, so I did. Like what you're talking about, it was just so nice to have him just sitting here on my chest, and I would watch Nip Tuck. 
will never forget these days, and they will never come back. <laughs> that was a good show. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a good I show. I binged it on Netflix. It was oh, so yeah. much fun. He enjoyed it, too, I think. I really think he did. I think he liked, he liked their quippy banter. But um, but he got to the point where uh, he, my wife, we couldn't set him down. We'd read in books that you want to try and set him down and let him go to sleep on their own. Right. Also, Dr. Canapari, the Yale uh, Sleep Center, suggests that. The more that you can let a baby sleep on their own is better. But <clears throat> my son... From falling asleep on my chest, when I would go to put him in the crib, he developed like a sixth sense where he could feel me cross the threshold of his room. Yeah. I have a very vivid memory of cross, and then he would do the baby angry face where it scrunch up like this, and then I would step back out of the threshold, and it would just relax. And then I would go, like there was a magnetic field in his room that he could feel, and we did the whole sleep training thing where you go in there, and you let him cry for five minutes, and then you go check on him. And then you come back out, and you let him cry for ten minutes, and then you go back in and check on them. And that was the kind of the sleep training in quotes right. method that, of the time. Dr. Canapari says, really, the check-in doesn't do anybody any good. He said, you know, obviously, he goes, especially if you have a monitor where you can kind of see the baby or anything like that. But the baby eventually can get tired. He goes, I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people. Is the check-in more for the parent? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's what he says. Yeah. He goes, and oftentimes it resets the pattern okay. more more than uh, more than it does help it. Quick timeout. You have a chance to win a thousand dollars coming up in just a few minutes. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you got stank mouth, Meth poo teeth, mouth. you can call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile. Keep listening. We'll tell you how you win in just a few minutes. Along those lines, I am not a advocate one way or the other. I mean, I'm I'm fifteen years removed from having to have done this. I don't think that my wife and I would say that we're advocates of one particular method over the other. It's just have a plan in place. Correct. Have something. I mean, there's a the dozen. Routine. It has to be a routine. Whatever the routine is, yes, but just have something in place so that you both know, if you're lucky enough to have somebody there with you, you both know what it is that's going on. And the the timing, whether it's we're going to let him cry for 20 minutes or she's going to cry for 40 minutes or uh, you go to bed at night, whatever it is, that that system is in place and replicatable so that you the the kid knows the pattern. Did and you tell Justin about you and your wife killing the sleep trainer? Tracy Hogg wrote the Baby Whisperer, uh, yeah. Secrets of the Baby Whisperer, something like that. And when our, I'm pretty sure this was our daughter. Uh, she was a horrible sleeper, and the same thing. Like you couldn't put her down. She'd grunt and move, and like to the to the point where parents do ridiculous things. I would lay down on the floor of the cri- of the floor of her room. Yeah. Next to, like, as close to the crib as I could get so she didn't know I was there. And then I would do this thing where I would take the the bumper on the side of the crib mm-hmm. and I would, like, lift it up, like, just like that much. So and, you could fit, like, a, just an eye line? Just to stare and see if are her eyes closed yet. Yeah. And if her eyes were closed, I would begin the process of crawling out of the room. Uh, it just Like a belly crawl. Yes, yeah, stupidity. Like you're right? a boot camp. Like I, it's a war zone, yeah. I was, yeah, I was a sniper. I was a scout sniper. <laughs> moving in enemy territory. out of stuffed animals so you right. could blend in with the environment. <laughs> but, but to the point where my wife called and said, none of your, none of your crap works, basically. Right. Um, and we wished this woman bad things. And she died not too long later. Uh, my personal thing is, and I, this a lot of the experts I think would mirror this, is that the, you got to go with kind of what feels good in your gut. What happens when things aren't working is usually it's because you reached a new developmental stage. Like you get the infant home, right. and then it's an infant who's just now born and has got to establish a routine. And then as soon as you get that routine set, and you get maybe two or three weeks of solid, like good infant sleep when they're like two to three months old, then all of a sudden they start cutting teeth. And then you're like, wait, what happened? And you are desperately looking around trying to figure out what did I mess up in the routine and you're not paying attention because you never look inside their mouth because there's nothing to see in there. (laughs) 
that there's like some redness that develops. And then sometimes if you poke your finger in there, you can feel like a hard surface of a tooth poking through. And it's the teething that resets it all over again. Yeah. I want to get into a little bit, though, of older kids because I think it applies to also what you're talking about. When you establish this routine and you can carry it through through the rest of the time, the big thing that they're talking about now is screen time, right? Uh, experts are way against kids having like a TV in their room or at least it being on at night, like letting them fall asleep at night because there is new research that's showing that there is a blue light that comes out of a, a, a phone or a TV or a computer screen that mimics the same blue spectrum of light that hits our eyelids in the morning when the sun rises. And when that sunlight, that blue spectrum of light hits our eyelids, it causes our body to release cortisol, which is the hormone that wakes us up. And then that cortisol is kind of what we ride. It's like a, a mild dosage of adrenaline. I'm not a doctor, but I'm trying to, you know, no, break this down. That makes perfect sense, yeah. So it keeps you awake throughout the day. And then when the sun goes down and that blue spectrum of light is no longer hitting your eyes or eyelids. You get then sleepy. You get sleepy because you stop making cortisol and you start making the hormone melatonin. But if you're on the screens, you're yes. still getting the cortisol. You, it stays there. And so now you have these things, uh, which I think are hilarious. You could buy computer glasses. That you wear that are essentially modern day blue blockers. Wow. That they, you, they block. How about just put the damn device down? I do as soon as I brought this so up. Bad. Well, I have a question. You do. There is a setting, by the way, on right. your iPhone. The that iPhone you can has set. the night mode, which most doctors have, will suggest you keep it that way all the time. I have a oh. question. People have been watching TV before bed, right. for a long time. Is there a difference between that and the and the the phone screen? No. And here's okay. where here's where it gets weird for me is that. Uh, because I think this is why Gary's shaking his head, is that there's a certain point where I think we're just leading towards this road of being pansies and sensitive to everything around us. But there's also the other side of the coin. It's like, well, why not get smarter and understand why certain things are happening and and try to uh, avoid creating... I don't, here's the thing. I'm such a hypocrite because I do believe struggle is good in a lot of ways. But to say that uh, I haven't noticed myself that if I'm watching a TV show on Netflix or whatever, I'm like, man... And then eventually I do start to nod off. But if you turn off your TV with the kids, if you take screen time out of it, when we let the kids stay up, here's, the, here's why I bring it up. When we would let the kids stay up and watch like a family sitcom, like we like Big Bang Theory, right? So we're watching that. And my wife and I would always get frustrated because the kids would never go to sleep. After We'd say, okay, we're not going to do books tonight, but after this we're going to go right to sleep. And they would be hyper. And it's the same thing that uh, I think I brought up here was that they did a study that showed that kids don't actually experience hyperactivity from sugar and behavioral problems. Yeah. That it's a placebo effect that the parents are more sensitive when their kids have eaten sugar about their behavior. Yeah. And I think that's what my wife and I were doing. If if this blue light thing, right, if it rings true and my kids are watching Big Bang Theory and they're all hopped up on cortisol – you know, the, hor- the, the cocaine of heroines, of, of her- hormones, or hor- heroin. But anyway, you know so they're all hopped up. They won't go to sleep. But when you read a book and they're disengaged from that blue light and it's just a regular, like, uh, I think they have, uh, we have LED lights in the house or whatever, right? And it's dim and they're reading a book. They start to kind of chill out and mellow out. Okay, real quick. Yeah. I'm going to give away this. Oh, please do. This $1,000. Oh, that's a lot of money. Mm. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. If you win, they're going to call you probably from a number you don't recognize. Uh, but if you don't answer that, they'll move on and give it to somebody else. Your chance to win another $1,000 coming up an hour from We now. do this once an hour. $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. All those chances. The one thing uh, in terms of extending... The, that baby training into toddlerhood and young younger kids and then even older kids is 
so much of it is modeling. If they mm-hmm. see you do it, they will do it. Yeah. And that right. was always a big deal for us was if, if you know, the kids would go to bed first, obviously, but we would give them, you got 10 minutes or 15, whatever it is, read whatever you want to read, and I'll see you in 15 minutes, lights out. That's it. No get, no food, no, no I forgot that. No, it's over. Like, we'll see you in the yes. morning. Your day is done. Yeah, the <laughs> door is locked from the outside. Good luck. How close is uh, is Shannon, your wife, to this? Because I've noticed that no matter, here's the thing, regardless of if they watch a show with me or read books with me, when dad puts them to bed in my house, they go to bed. When mom does it, it's, mom, I need some water, or I have the, I, my fingernail needs a trimming. Like, I'm not kidding. They ask for freaking pedicures. Stalling. Yeah, like, from their, from their mother. And, she, and the best part is watching my wife get angry and curse. She curses that loud at her young children. It's like, are you stuck? Are you stuck? And she gets in there with a the trash can and fingernail clip. Here, okay, now go to sleep. I'm like, well, how is this good for anyone? Just tell them to shut up and go to sleep. Ironically, mine is shorter, probably more That's hurtful. That's like the worst pedicure ever. Exactly. Just an angry, although with a cursing, she does sound Asian a little bit. So it does into my wife's normal routine, maybe. Well, I don't, think, I don't think there was a big difference between the two of us. The, the bigger differences was between the two kids. One of them would have, you know, and I think it kind of went in waves, but our daughter was... All, there was always something. Always something. Or she couldn't sleep, and she'd come over, and for, she knew she knew better than to come to my side of the bed. Right. She'd go to my wife's side of the bed and just stand there. <laughs> like Children of the Corn? It's, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's, like freaking you know, Malachi. 1045 at night. I got to be up in a couple of hours, <laughs> and she'd just stand over the bed. Everything and my, floats down here. <laughs> and then my wife would just, she'd. You know, she'd slowly look up and go, oh, my God, what's going on? Why are you That's standing over freaky. the bed? That's, That's super freaky. And That's then- the one thing. I feel like I want to I create an escape room for dinks where you guys could check into a bed and breakfast and just get to know the joy and fear of the experience. Like a just, freak show. Yeah, just waking like, up and having a child just stare at you like blankly those, like and Like those escape rooms, yeah. but you have kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Where they could check in. I think it would be just fun for Craig and uh, Shannon. Really, I just want to do it to them, I guess. Check right? in, but you can't check out for 18 years. I have can... to, I, sometimes I have the thought of like, eh, maybe I should add kids, and then I'll go to a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll hear one kid yeah. let out the first fraction of a scream or a tantrum. And I'm like, yep, nope. Oh, there it is. Nope. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I think I just skipped ovulation. This Maybe, exactly. That's exactly right. The other thing I want to talk about that came up with Dr. Craig Canapari that I thought was interesting. And the whole start, my whole start into this whole sleep thing came from my wife went to a talk from a member of the Burbank School Board. And he was talking, there's this new movement. They just shifted our start time at the elementary school back uh, 15 minutes. There's this new movement of starting school later in the day. And part of it is research that actually dates back to like the late 50s is that they found out that that same melatonin, cortisol, what, they, what works out to basically be our circadian rhythm in teenagers, it does not start until closer to 1030, 1045. So what this the quote that this guy said was it is impossible for a teenager to go to sleep before 11 o'clock, which I get right. Impossible. That seems, you know, very important. But so by that logic, though, they should not be starting school until like nine thirty, ten o'clock, because a teenager needs at least eight and a half hours of sleep every day in order to properly function. But according to a survey, only 10 percent of teenagers say that they get Eight and a half hours. Of it makes sleep sense. In I mean, on one hand, it's like, oh, we're going to cater to teenagers right. and them being lazy, and then on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, wow. And then on the other hand, we 
it, it, it does make sense. Right. Because, Why fight it? Yeah, right. But it, but so here's the thing is that if you make because what happens is they start school, I think, at like in some place like 730. But if you're in a sport, you practice before school, like the, the pediatrician who's on the, is on my show. He has a lot of his patients in Connecticut and they do hockey. So they're up at like 430 in the morning to go to hockey and then they come home and then they have some kind of a practice afterwards. And then you got your piano lessons and all the stuff that everybody overschedules their kids with. And the kids still have homework, and they're not in bed in time in order to pull that off. And the reason, the reason high, because that's, that's whenever I see this stuff, it's like, why do you take a, a language in high school when your brain is actually ready to accept a foreign language and learn it in elementary school? It's just because that's the way it was done. We didn't actually start having high school start earlier than any other school until the 50s. It was when community started getting bigger, and you would get out of these uh, schoolhouse models where it was all grades in one big room and everybody worked together. So they started breaking it up by grade level, and what they found, what they thought was, well, we'll make the high school kids start earlier so they can get out earlier and get to work because they all had jobs that they would have to go to right. after school. But Which now, was the difference, especially from the schoolhouse model, because you were up early to do your chores or whatever, right. and then you'd go to school 9 or 10 o'clock. But now high schoolers aren't working unless you're Gary's son. That's about it. And he's not even in high school anymore. Yeah. This was the case. Are we having a moment? Is that what Yes, I was just I was getting sad. Shannon started to gather. It was really funny. She picked up her bag. <laughs> Guys. Justin, you can find Justin's podcast. Go to thedadpodcast.com. All kinds of great stuff. Let me there. say one more thing. If yeah. you remember, I'm building a fort in my backyard, right. and we have made some progress. And if you would like to see the progress, yes. go on Instagram at dadpodcast Doing or right facebook.com slash dadpodcast. And if you want to see the fail, I've already broke a trenching shovel, which you could see there. But this last weekend, I broke something really bad in oh. a very stupid way. And you can see that again Dad at facebook.com slash dadpodcast or at dadpodcast How am I not already following you? John Cobalt? It just came up suggestions he follows for you. Me. What is he Instagram? He's helping me build the fort. Uh, find that hard to believe. Well, is there a burger shack in it? Oh, I see the fort. That looks impressive. Gary and Shannon will continue. It looks like a, one of those um, princess beds. Eric Garcetti is uh, is going to Iowa. We'll talk about that and why it is that you are paying for his trip. What would you do to your windshield? Oh. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. You dummy. Oh. Gary bad. and Shannon no, will fine. continue. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. Next hour, we're going to check in with Chris and Carlo once again out in Santa Barbara County. Still waiting for this storm to finally move through. They uh, they could see some thunderstorms later tonight, and because of that, because of that uh, uncomfortable word thunderstorms, there's a chance we could see some very high hourly rain rates, uh, and that could cause some significant problems. So we'll check in with him. Also, uh, Fritz Coleman a little bit later in the show as well. See when we're finally going to get an end to this storm as it rolls through. Well, Mayor Garcetti continues to stoke speculation that he's considering a run for the president. There's one place you go when you're going to run for president. Disneyland. No. It's a place that many people don't think to go. Houston? No, but a strong case could be made for that. Okay. Iowa. Iowa? What sort of... Los Angeles business lives in Iowa. Corn? Is that a big uh, business in California? 
wheat, corn. In terms of getting our corn from Iowa? Sure. Every winter of every fourth year, the United States turns its full attention to the state of Iowa. The Des Moines Register becomes the Washington Post and the New York Times. And everyone in Iowa is interviewed, every single, single person. It's the Iowa caucus, and it's very important. And that is why Eric Garcetti is headed to Iowa. He's skipping the gubernatorial race. See, see what I did there? I just did that to piss off Chris Little. Right. He's skipping the smaller, the smaller races to run for president in 2020. The last time we told you about Eric Garcetti, I believe he was in South Carolina. Right. And now it's Iowa. They say he's traveling there. Here's the uh, the cover speech. To deliver a keynote address at the Scott County Democrats annual red, white, and blue dinner. He will make stops to the Quad Cities, Altoona. At a Carpenters Union training facility. Nothing says running for president like visiting the Carpenters Union in Altoona, Iowa. Does it? That's setting the table for a presidential run. You're basically unveiling your slogan when you go to the Carpenters Union in Altoona, Iowa. Here's the thing. Does a guy like this become the answer to a question that no one asked? What do you mean? Well, is... Yes, there are things about Washington that are broken, that that are just seem to be perennial issues that come up. Uh, we've got to get lobbyists out of Congress. We've got to get Congress more accountable to the people they say that they support. Uh, we've got to make sure that the little guy isn't forgotten when it comes to giant policies that, that are put into place by the White House and by uh, the powers that be in Washington. But is Garcetti the answer to that? And how if if he is, how does he sort of shoehorn his way into that? If he's if he goes up and and describes himself as a Jewish Mexican American um, Navy reservist, is he checking boxes that people are looking to be checked? Let me tell you a little something. Oh, there's another guy that's being talked about for 2020, and we've spoken about him already today, and it's Joe Biden. Let me tell you about Joe Biden's last tweet. This is what it reads. Our top priority should be investing in our workers by, number one, ensuring they have the skills and opportunities to get a good job. Number two, making work pay. And number three, cutting the cost of raising a family. Read my thoughts on how we can all help our workers succeed. And then it's some sort of workshop, quality jobs for American workers hosted by Biden today in Washington, D.C. Now, if Joe Biden was riding off into the sunset as a former vice president, would he be talking jobs, jobs, jobs? No. No. The only people talking jobs, jobs, jobs are the people that run for president or governor or insert elected office title here. Um, Eric Garcetti doesn't stand a chance against a Joe Biden. There's just no way when it comes to name recognition. He can go to Iowa. He can go to Michigan. He can go to South Carolina. He can go the whole campaign stop tour. But he's not going to be able to kiss enough babies to resonate in those states. Hell, he doesn't even resonate in the Bay Area. Well, and I would say part of the reason is we here in Los Los Angeles have not had a major disaster. Now, as weird as that sounds, Eric Garcetti's not been pressed into service as a mayor in an emergency situation. Uh, Bill de Blasio has. 
Mitch Landrieu from New Orleans has, at least has the reputation for having been from the state yes. of Louisiana. I mean, we're talking about, the, and specifically those mayors, not not governors necessarily, but specifically mayors, because no one has gone straight from mayor to the office of the president. If, in fact, something is to happen, it's going to take, <laughs> so weird. I'm not wishing this, believe me, it's going to take an earthquake for Eric Garcetti to be out in front of the issues of recovering from a massive disaster before he gets international, before, sorry, before he gets national name recognition. You know, the other thing that pisses me off about this story is we did the story about Megan, Megan Barry, Nashville mayor. Yes. She was doing different mayoral visits on city business, and she had her head of security with her that she would have sex with on these uh, visits, right? right? And, and he, it was double dipping because he, they were, it was costing, um, Okay, I'll stop saying double dipping, but you know what I mean. She she had to step down for that rising right. Democratic star, right? She had to step down. She had like a seventy five percent approval approval rating, going to big things. But Garcetti gets to, under the guise of city business, run for president, all on taxpayer money. I don't know who he takes with him. Probably his wife on some of these, uh, and he doesn't get his to... wife has family in Iowa. I know that. So. I guess that's a personal trip. I'm just saying it's just interesting what we pick and choose to to throw mayors out for. Right. You know, he's he's basically running for president on the taxpayer dollar for under the guise of doing Los Angeles business. And I know what happens. I mean, it's all whoring in politics and I get it. But all right. Coming back. There was a story out of Texas where a guy confronted his bully. And did so in a very public place four decades after he was bullied. Explain all that and play some sound for you as well. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM Shannon, Thursday, it's March 22nd. We're going to get into all of our uh, trending stories coming up at the uh, top of the hour. Plus, one of the uh, trending videos today is the uh, the full trailer now for Deadpool 2. Deadpool goes up against Cable. You know what else is trending is the baby animal March Madness bracket. Hey, congratulations, by the way. I feel like... Uh, baby deer? Baby deer, there are a couple of big upsets in that first round of voting. Mm-hmm. You go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Uh, our guy RJ put up a whole breakdown of the first bracket, the first round matchup. RJ is Rick Johnson. He's a professional author, writer, and you can tell when he breaks down the first round of Baby Animal Madness. There's some upsets, but Baby Puppy did not make it out of the first round. I know. It's like Duke not making it out. Yeah. It's like Virginia losing to UMBC. Very still, similar. Still waiting for my Retriever's shirt, by the way. Oh, did you get it? I didn't get it. I'm still waiting for it. But I found out that they did bring in staff. Uh, U- University of Maryland, Baltimore County, usually gets about 1,500 online orders for apparel every year. Every year. Yeah. They had 3,300 Friday night alone after the victory last week. So, um Greg Barrett, a name you wouldn't recognize. He's from Katy, Texas. On Monday night, he went to the school board meeting. 
80 Independent School District board meeting and wanted to talk about bullying, specifically what it is that teachers do about bullying and whether or not teachers should be punished when they do nothing, if they witness it or they know about it and nothing is done. Greg Barrett actually dropped a bombshell in the middle of this meeting when he said that the superintendent at Katy Independent School District, Dr. Lance Hint, was one of the guys who tormented him in the 1970s. My name is Greg Barrett. I graduated from KSD in 1983. I started in 1975 with Mr. Lance. Uh, my legal name is Greg Gay. I was bullied, unbelievably bullied. I started out, and I had teachers that bullied me. I had kids that bullied me, even the coaches. I had nobody to turn to. One day at lunch, I had my head shoved in the urinal where I, it busted my lip. I had laid on the ground in a fetal position as the kids kicked me. I got up, I rinsed my face off, I walked out of the lunchroom, walked straight to the principal's office, and he told me, these kids will grow up someday. They won't always be like this. But yet, here I am, covered in urine from laying on the ground underneath the urinal. My lip was busted, and they sent me home. Well, I went home. And I got the 45 out of my father's drawer and put it in my mouth. Because at this point, I had nobody, nobody in the school system to help me. Is, is, is that the way this is going to be? Lance, you were the one that shoved my head in the urinal. Uh, Thank you. Tell you what. <laughs> Want to debate it? Because I've got witnesses that were there when it happened. So he says that the superintendent at that school district is the one who tormented him back in the mid-70s, simply because his last name was Gay. There was another student, another guy, who witnessed this whole thing, who still remembered the whole thing, who had since apologized to Greg and said that he was sorry that he didn't do anything to stop the attack when it was taking place way back in the 7th or 8th grade, whatever it was. Now, you could hear at the end there, the superintendent, when when Greg says, you, Lance Hint, you're the one who stuck my head in the urinal, you can hear the superintendent laughing. The way this is going to be, Lance, you were the one that shoved my head in the urinal. Thank you. And he kind of laughs. Oh, uh, yeah, that's he, nervous laughter is what that is. The superintendent put out a statement uh, and said that he doesn't remember this guy at all. As a superintendent, I've always tried to create an environment where every student is safe. But when an individual impugns my character and reputation as the instigator of those actions, I'm disappointed because it simply is not true. He says, I do not recall this person from my childhood. Could have been some other way to do this, right? I mean, even if you don't remember the guy, and even if you don't think you did it, you could add in there, but maybe I'm going to spend some time thinking about 
if there were times in my life. Well, if he's the kind of guy that would have done all that, he's not going to be reasonable in his response to it. Well, the, but the other thing is he was a kid. I mean, you've done stupid stuff that you've gotten past. Not like that, that though. That's like bad brain wiring to, to treat someone like that. Yes. You know what I mean? It, but but it also, I mean, to, to that end, yes, I would say that there is, it's highly likely he doesn't remember that guy. He, yeah, it's highly likely. he wouldn't think he anything care. of it. He, he didn't yeah. think of any, anything of him at the time. He's not going to think anything of him 40 years later. All right, coming up next, we do what we do every day at noon, right after Amy's News. We, we will tell you everything that is trending, everything that everyone's talking about everywhere. Also, this just in, President Trump has taken a shot at Jerry Brown. Oh, what? First it was Biden, now it's Jerry Brown. He was at a uh, Generation Next Summit at the White House, and Trump said this about good old Jerry Brown. If you like high taxes and crime, that's your guy. Which is proof (laughs) that President Trump listens to the John and Ken show. Excellent point. Everything everyone's <laughs> talking about everywhere when we come back to Gary and Shannon. We could be legends after all. AM 640 coming up in about a half an hour. We'll tell you all the latest coming out of Washington. It's a lot. We got news this morning that President Trump's lead lawyer in the Russia investigation has quit. This was President Trump's main contact with Bob Mueller. He is out. Also, the president making an announcement to kind of shift attention away from that about the first step towards tariffs. When it comes to China. Yeah, blocking $50 billion in imports. That has uh, dragged down the Dow Jones Industrial Average more than 400 points. So we'll see how that ends up. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. This is when we go through all of the stories that happen to be trending locally, nationally. And, of course, the big one around here is this storm that has been rolling through. This three-day storm, one of the largest we've seen in at least a few years, probably. Rain, uh, some flood watches and warnings up throughout the area. Part of the Thomas Fire Burn area in Ventura County under a flash flood warning. Uh, I saw earlier today that there was one specific part of San Luis Obispo County that had recorded nine inches of rain already, and that was before today's arm of the storm came through. Record rainfall, but so far not as destructive as forecasters feared. We're going to be talking with Fritz Coleman coming up in about an hour from now about what we can expect for the rest of the day and into tomorrow and the weekend. Another local story that's been trending is the uh, the unfortunate and uh, very sad funeral of Pomona police officer Gregory Casillas uh, will be laid to rest today in you described it as a perfectly poignant day that it's as gray and dreary as this is. You hear the words that uh, have come from Gregory's father this morning and they break your heart. He was just 30 years old. It was his dream to be a police officer. He was on the last training shift, six months of time in the department, and he and his partner give chase. They run after the suspect, and the suspect goes into a home, closes the door, fires through the door, and shoots and kills Gregory Casillas, leaves behind a wife and two young kids. The dad said, I I didn't know how big his heart was. As of now, I do know. He also said that Gregory was twice the man that he would ever be. 
So just a very sad end to that whole story. News out of Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. When students return from spring break, they'll be required by local officials to use clear backpacks. This is what has been the way things have gone at football stadiums that I've noticed. Uh, Fans can only bring in clear bags so you can see through all of that. The the nice thing is the school district is providing them for all of the students. The other thing is that the governor of Florida has ordered eight state patrol troopers, highway patrol troopers there in Florida to assist with securing the ground. So from now on, I mean, just an indefinite amount of time, they're going to have eight highway patrol officers there uh, helping secure the grounds. We said this before. It's a very large campus. I think it was 45 acres or something like that. So there are, part of the problem is there are multiple points of entry. And geographically, I mean, it's just a big floor is flat for the most part. So there's a big open flat area. It's not like it can back up against hills or anything. Uh, and they're going to eventually transfer, they say, to that, that single point entry measure for all visitors, et cetera, so that they can control traffic in and out of campus. Facebook's still in the news, and you're going to hear about Facebook in the news for days to come. Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, now saying that he's sorry for Facebook's role and would be open to regulation. Regulation? Well, yeah. This is his first statement since the scandal broke about Facebook selling your information that you're so forthcoming with on Facebook because it feels like your little social community there, uh, selling it to those third-party apps, the apps that you log into with your Facebook credentials, and then those apps selling your information to the dark web. Scary stuff and created quite the backlash. Yeah, and his argument about regulation is interesting because the Internet has long been seen as sort of the Wild West when it comes to content. Yeah. He's actually saying there's a whole lot of regulation around advertising on TV and in print. It's just not clear why there should be less on the Internet. We should have the same level of transparency. We are in the beginning stages of the Internet. I mean, it's only been, what, a quarter century? So... We now, are still in the Wild West era. Al Gore says it's a little much longer. Than yeah, that. but since you and I started using ah, it. Ah, yes, since yes, since you signed up for your first Yahoo uh, email address 25 years ago. Um, it turns out that Second Amendment uh, lovers are going after First Amendment lovers and using their umbrella to protect themselves. YouTube has banned videos that show people how to manufacture or modify guns or weapon accessories. So the gun bloggers say that they are going to take their gun videos and move them to Pornhub. Because if you're not on YouTube, you're on Pornhub? (laughs) I guess. I was listening to an interesting story about YouTube this morning uh, about how everyone's talking about Facebook and and what Facebook is doing with your information. And they were saying, well, YouTube's a little bit more of a problem because, you know, you look where your kids are getting their programming for. They're not getting it from the networks like we did growing up, you know, watching sitcoms and stuff. They're getting their programming from YouTube. And YouTube found that conspiracy videos were so are so popular that they think, well, if they're this, po- this popular with this amount of people, let's expose this amount of people, this other bigger amount of people to the conspiracy videos, maybe we'll get more hits. So when your kid's watching, you know, Bobo, uh, you know, whatever your kid watches, Bobo and the little people, uh, it'll say next recommended video and it'll be one of uh, Alex Jones conspiracy videos. Justin was telling us how one of his kids fell into the conspiracy video hole on YouTube and you know he wasn't searching for it. So how many people, vulnerable people, are being suggested to watch conspiracy videos? 
I mean, that that's to me is more troubling than Facebook screwing with you and I. Yeah, when all they're looking for is Bobo and the little people. Right, which um, everyone loves. YouTube's policy, by the way, their stated policy now prohibits a video or videos that show how to make a firearm, ammunition, high-capacity magazine, or homemade silencers that are designed to sell guns or specific accessories, including high-capacity magazines and tools that convert a firearm to automatic to show how to convert a firearm to automatic or simulated automatic fire and show how to install such accessories or modifications. A lot of those things are illegal anyway. They're illegal to do. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be able to convert a firearm uh, to automatic fire. So, Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's so many wink-wink, nod-nods when it comes to guns uh, in this country. You know, I have a friend who was buying a gun and inquired about an accessory and said, well, isn't this uh, illegal? Oh, the guy says, well, well, I'm not the gun police. Right. You know what I mean? Wink, wink, nod, nod. So a lot of stuff that should be illegal is. Uh, I can't sell it to you here, but if you give me 80 right. bucks and then went out back. Right. Ask for Bob. Yeah. There's an unmarked box out there. You'll find your suppressor. There is a new trailer for Deadpool 2 that dropped today. <laughs> I love this character. This is a. I Did you ever see it? I still haven't seen the original. Oh, man. Uh, you got to see it. Well, I actually had this funny conversation with my wife the other day because. This was a big, when Deadpool came out, our son was 15 and he wanted to see it. And we said no, because it was an R-rated movie. I can't believe and, that was three years ago. Uh, well, here's the thing. And I, there was a point where I was, uh, it became such an issue where I thought, man, if I was 15 and my parents said no, I would have just eventually gone out and seen it. I can't believe your kid was 15, like like that soon. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, anyway, it was a big deal, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna fold on this thing. But and now I, he's moved out, and yeah. he watches Deadpool every he night. Watched, it's, he, he's got it on his phone. He watches it at work. <laughs> anyway, so we were talking about that movie, the movie Deadpool, because neither of us have seen it, and we just hear it's it's hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. And finally, my wife said, "You know what? We should probably watch it." Yeah. I think you should do it. So anyway, the the trailer, the actual trailer for the sequel is out. The other ones that had come up to this were sort of teasers and stuff. Coming up next, the biggest story of the day. We will go live to Santa Barbara County, where Chris Ancarlo has been covering this yesterday, this morning, today, and through the afternoon. All the latest from KFI News. Live with Chris Ancarlo when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Amy King. Hey, about $1,000. Wait, wait, Amy, wait. Wait, 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 I'm holding. $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. You need dental implants. You call Cunning Dental for that free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Tell you how to win. Coming up. Now it's your turn. Not a yes, sir. Not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold. Have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Gary and Shannon. Giving away $1,000. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. Well, one of the uh, big stories we've been following for the last few days is this storm that's been rolling through. Uh, Santa Barbara, Montecito has been the the point of uh, most attention here because of the mudslides we saw the deadly mudslides back in january and they have been holding on for dear life trying to make sure that this doesn't happen again chris and carlo has been standing by down in montecito and i just saw some pictures of uh right along coast village road and olive mill road as of this morning it doesn't look like we're seeing any of the mud flows maybe just a bit of extra water and maybe some small rocks and stuff in the street but nothing big to report 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And um, I'm looking right now at updated totals for rain in the last hour just in the foothills above us. Uh, and at the very, very top of the uh, San Ysidro Mountains, or San Inez Mountains, excuse me, um, is just about a quarter inch of rain that fell in the last hour. Uh, the rainfall has picked up significantly over the last hour. That's why I wanted to look at it again. Um, and the good news is that doesn't quite meet that half inch an uh, hour threshold that, you know, essentially we could start to see some uh, some flows. What's fascinating, and I think I told this to you guys last time I talked to you, is that um, you can hear these boulders. And before, I had only heard it secondhand, you know, people explaining it. And then I came up a little bit further up the creek and started to hear it echoing in the background. And it's uh, it, it kind of it's so eerie. It sounds like it's coming from all these different directions. And, and um, the best way I can explain it is... You know, when you go bowling with somebody that doesn't know how to bowl and then they throw and this is my second bowling analogy of the day, but they throw the ball up and it goes way up high and then it hits and there's like that thud. Well, take that thud. Shannon does and that. Yeah, I do make that. it a little bit ten. Yeah, I could see you doing that. Yeah, make it a little <laughs> bit tenier and that would be it. Sorry, no offense. I, I am just that, when I, I picture you bowling, gonna, Shannon, I picture that sort of. I'm going to try not to take offense. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, now, now my analogy is completely no, off. No, 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 no. It totally yeah. worked. Continue. Speaking of hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, you've got these uh, boulders that are, are coming on down further upstream. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get it on microphone. And it's just they're so far off in the distance. It's not registering. So I'm going to try and, and get up a little bit closer to, to see if I can get the sound of it so I can uh, play it for you guys. But it is, it's a, a bit surreal. The good news is that um, we're seeing some lighter rain just in the last probably about 10 minutes. And uh, the hope is that we get lighter rain through the afternoon. And again, 9 o'clock is that line that officials are looking at. Because if they can make it to 9 o'clock, uh, as officials have told me, then they will believe they have turned the corner on this storm. And, uh, and then, of course, it turns to assessment and continual clearing of everything out of out of the way here so any idea of when people will be allowed back in no that's a it's a good question there's going to be a news conference at four o'clock i assume that we'll hear a little bit more about as they call it repopulation uh then uh, my assumption would be if they feel like everything's good to go by later tonight um and they're going to start spooling off resources back to their you know home fire authorities by tomorrow morning, then we could probably see those evacuations lifted by tomorrow. It'd be pretty amazing. All right, Chris, thank you so much. Yeah, of course, guys. Chris and Carlo there with the latest. Uh, if you don't already follow uh, Santa Barbara County on Twitter, they've been posting some pictures, uh, as has Chris, uh, some videos uh, from down on the street there and alongside Montecito Creek. Just to give you an idea of how I mean, this is without going into the mudslides that we saw back in January, but just how powerful uh, the the little tiny creeks that run through Southern California can be when they are uh, deluged with rain like this. We have a huge swamp watch ready for you. We had news coming out of D.C. all day today, starting with the president's lead personal attorney handling the investigation into Russian meddling has resigned. This is a pretty darn good attorney. He had fighting for him and uh, no longer has that guy in his corner. Also, all the news about the tariffs in China. We're going to be going live to Washington, D.C. to be talking about the House passing that trillion, $1.3 trillion spending bill. Have you yet voted for round two in the Gary and Shannon baby animal bracket? 
Did you go through and vote today yet? Well, I have a confession to make. I thought I had filled out my whole bracket. Right. But I didn't. And you yelled at me for having not filled out a bracket. I don't think I yelled. Here's the thing. Here's what we need. We need you to go and fill out your, uh, to choose, actually, the baby animal bracket. We are in round two. So if you imagine just some of the, the basics, some of the, the the number one seeds going into all of this got knocked out. For example, baby harp seal, gone. Knocked out by <gasps> no, baby goat. That's insane, yeah. isn't Yes. It? Baby puppy, Knocked out by baby deer. Who saw that coming? I That's did. That's why your votes count so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, baby kitten, one of the old standbys, sort of the North Carolina of uh, the baby animal bracket, dispatched by baby lamb in the first if round you action. you don't vote, you don't get to complain when baby deer sweeps this damn thing. We're moving on to uh, air and sea division. So the voting is open now through Sunday. Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Round two of the 2018 baby animal bracket. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Gary and Shannon, don't forget an update on our storm coming up at the top of the hour. Fritz Coleman's going to join us from uh, just down the street there at Channel 4. Tell us how things are going weather-wise as we try to get through the the end of what will be the big storm that's coming through. Well, in Washington, D.C., we check in what's going on in the swamp, and the lead personal attorney for the president who is handling the investigation into uh, uh, the special counsel's investigation into Russian meddling has resigned today. John Dowd joined Trump's legal team last summer, and he's stepping down. They didn't agree on some what are being called key elements surrounding the investigation, like uh, whether President Trump would sit down for an interview with Robert Mueller or not. For me, what I what I gather from this, because we've heard the president say numerous times he'll sit down with Bob Mueller. And we've heard numerous times that his, his attorneys have said, no, 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 no. Because when you have an attorney, they want you to say as little as possible so you don't hang yourself with right. it. So that may be just what's happening. Maybe it's the president saying, listen, I want this to go away. I'm going to sit down with Bob Mueller and, and John Dowd saying, well, I can't authorize you to do that. Or I can't put my golden seal of approval on that. And it's going to be, I mean, obviously it's the, the president is the one who would make that decision eventually on the advice of the, the attorneys that he's working with. So at that point, it's, I I don't know. I mean, I don't don't know what he's, what he keeps saying that he wants to sit down with them for, because it's, I don't think it's ever going to happen. You know, what cracks me up was, was it just yesterday where the, the president was floating the idea of hiring Ted Olson. Yes. I wonder if that was kind of an FNU to John Dowd. I think it was just, I think this John Dowd thing was coming for some time. And the Ted Olson uh, issue or the the story that he was going to offer a job to Ted Olson and then Ted Olson turned it down. I think it was just response to that. Or just their way of getting out in front of the fact that John yeah, Dowd was leaving. Maybe. Dowd's like, I'm out of here sometime this week. They're like, okay, well, we're going to get Ted Olson. And if you believe this, supposedly John Dowd was the guy who was spearheading these negotiations with Bob Mueller's team about what a, what an actual interview with the president might look like. Would it be a sit-down? Would it be face-to-face? Would it be a series of emailed questions and very scripted, careful answers? And John Dowd seems to be the kind of guy who would say, listen, 
I'll give you uh, six questions, and we will email you the responses or something like that. But anything else uh, falls under the scope of executive privilege. If that's the case, that guy out now, there's no way, there is no way that the remaining lawyers on this team would allow the president to sit down for a face-to-face interview well, with it. Well, let me ask because- you this, though. He's the guy. He's the point person on the legal team, and he doesn't like it. So maybe he leaves and the other lawyers are yes people to the president and say, do whatever you want to do. Uh, I don't think they're that foolish. I think because they know that even if the president has nothing to hide, even if the right. president, even if the president has nothing to hide, you get that guy in front of a skilled prosecutor, in front of a group of lawyers who know what questions to ask and how to ask them. He's going to talk himself into circles. They'll create guilt out of something. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean, that the president doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to testify in that way. So if I was on the lawyer's team, I would say, listen, we're going to keep this as sanitized as possible. We will get the inter- we will get the questions uh, emailed from the prosecutor, and we will carefully sculpt whatever answer we have to we have to do without being uh, without making up lies or anything, but just making sure that the wording is careful. So here's what I think happened. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, where we don't understand how when somebody is on trial for murder, and if they truly didn't do it, why they're not. Let me have the stand. Let me go. Right. Let me let me give me a chance or how they're not just screaming out in court like, I got to talk. I got to testify. And that's kind of what Donald Trump's been doing. Right. And I just kind of think that this is a good sign for him, or at least in my mind, shows that he did not collude with Russia or he at least doesn't think he's guilty of it. Because when you had the attorneys holding you back, you know, he, he's the guy. He's the defendant. Right. I want to talk. I want to talk. And sure he's like, no, no, no. This was that attorney that was saying, no, no, no. And now he's gone. And the president's still saying, let me talk, let me talk, let me talk. I just think in my mind it shows that he doesn't think he's guilty or he's not guilty of it. He wasn't, well, he knowingly, he he wasn't knowingly colluding with Russia. Right. That's that's what I would say is that he definitely doesn't think that he's guilty of anything. Whether he is or not, I have no idea. That's yeah. a, I mean, that's far and above my pay grade. But he definitely believes that he's not guilty of anything. So you're, I think you're right to that point, at least PR-wise. Even today, he was asked as he was walking through uh, one of the office buildings in D.C., he was asked by the scrum of reporters, are you going to testify? And he says, I want to. I really want to. So, I mean, there's there is that possibility. So that leaves Joseph DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney, uh, and probably Jay Sekulow is the guys who are leading all of this right now in terms of the investigation by Bob Mueller and that team. So. Joseph DeGeneva, we mentioned this a couple of days ago, is a U.S., a former U.S. attorney who has been very critical of the FBI and the Department of Justice in general, and then specifically about why there is a special counsel and why he continues to be doing the job that he's doing. To get out in front of this news and kind of shift the uh, the conversation about what happened with the Dowd, the president went on television today, held an availability to slap China, to, to talk about slapping China with $50 billion in tariffs over intellectual property theft. These new measures designed to penalize China for trade practices that the administration says involve stealing American companies' intellectual property. They're going to primarily target certain products in the tech field where China holds an advantage over the U.S. Wall Street 
does not like this. Dow is down 616, 619, 625, 626. I mean, it is not going well. No, and this is, it's it's even worse the fact that this is 20 minutes before the close of Wall Street because that's gone down an extra 225 points in the last 10 minutes. So I don't know if that means that we're seeing a uh, you know falling off the cliff right before the end of trading or not. Uh, but this is going to be an interesting 20 minutes as it figures uh, as it figures itself out. The president uh, did have some advice to his younger self today. What advice would you give to the 25 year old Donald Trump knowing what you know today? Don't run for president. It's a great line. I got to give him that as a it, great line. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's true. But do you want to hear somebody who's president say they don't want to be there? I mean, we kind of no. knew that that's where his mind was going to be. Yes, I would have preferred he said that uh, after you know two months after leaving office. But right. still, I mean, come on, that's it's a pretty funny line. And, and he was it was well received by this youth forum. I mean, did you expect that the president would get a good laugh line and some applause from a youth forum anytime no. soon? So um, we uh, we also saw earlier the House passed this one point three trillion dollar spending package uh, legislation now goes on to the Senate. It was approved uh, two fifty six to one sixty seven today in the House. We're going to check up on that, what it means and how it will fare in the Senate when we go live to D.C. coming up next. Gary and Shannon will continue just an update on some uh, some swamp stuff, I guess. That's what I meant to say. Gary and Shannon in the middle of Swamp Watch. Well, it seems like the Senate is hard at work right now on the bill that the House passed, the trillion, $1.3 trillion spending package to avoid a government shutdown. That's right. We're headed for another deadline, midnight deadline tomorrow. A lot of people saying, well, we're not going to make it, but we'll just have to see what happens. We'll stay on it for you tomorrow as well. That's got to be weighing down the Dow. But another thing that's weighing down the Dow is uh, the the imposition of some tariffs on goods imported from China and also restriction of some Chinese investment. Daria Albinger is joining us to talk more about what it is that the president was talking about today. What are we doing, Daria? Well, the first thing I have to tell you, I have a little good news for you. The Dow is no longer down more than 700 points. Oh, great. It's only, what, 690 only right now? Only 694 oh, okay. right now. So, I mean, let's, let's take the good where we can here. Right <laughs> Now, what, what we're talking about here, what's got investors jittery, is this latest round of tariffs that the president signed today. This is... Um, a move to place these tariffs on some imported goods from China and to restrict some Chinese investment. He said today that the U.S. and China have, and these are not my words, these are the president's words, the largest trade deficit of any country in the history of the world. And he said that these tariffs are a way of trying to level that playing field, if you will. So that's that's where we are at this point right now. We're going to have to wait and see which goods from China this tariff will apply to. But you can assume that it's going to be a sizable amount of goods because, you know, at the risk of sounding extremely crass, how many things do you buy that have the label in them made in China? Yeah, all of them. Uh, yeah. What what prompted this? Uh, was there some 
event? Was there some investigation or anything that led the president to come to these conclusions? Well, I mean, this should not surprise anybody because since the president was on the campaign trail, he's been saying that the United States is involved in some really lopsided trade agreements and that the United States is not benefiting from any of them. And he's said from the get-go that China was not a good trading partner for the United States. So this really shouldn't surprise anybody at all that he's done this. I'm assuming some of the worst losses were from the industrial and tech sectors. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's where we're seeing a lot of the the, uh, the losses today. And when you consider that the NASDAQ is down in over 100 points, that's like the Dow being down, you know, almost 1,000 points. When you, when you consider how many shares are being traded in that index, when you compare it to the Dow, there's a lot more being traded in the Dow. So if you want to get a better idea of just where the markets are right now, look at the NASDAQ and look at the S&P. And global markets, are they responding? Um, global markets were lower as, as well early today, but then again, we're going to have to see what happens after they open. They've got the pre-markets right. right now for Europe, the pre-markets for the Far East. So what you're really going to have to look at is the Hang Seng. You're going to have to look at the uh, the Asian markets to see where how that affects them. Do we have any response at all from the Chinese government about the announcement? Well, they said that they're going to they're going to retaliate. So you, you can only assume that, that it's going to be an economic retaliation. But again, we're hearing a lot of words right now. We're not seeing a whole lot of actions as to how they're going to back up those words. All right, Daria, thank you so much. Thank you. Daria Albinger, there are the latest on this uh, announcement that we've seen. The president is going to put some tariffs on some goods imported from China, restrict Chinese investment. I understand that the U.S. trade representative, Rod uh, Lighthizer, uh, was the one who called for an investigation uh, into the potential of unfair trade practices in the U.S. and that it's the U.S. Trade Representative's office that is going to publish a list of targeted products sometime within the next two weeks. So we didn't get incredibly specific from the president today, but that the U.S. Trade Representative's office is, is what's going to add the specificity to it. couple things that you got to do today. You got to go to KFIAM640.com, Gary and Shannon Page, and uh, weigh in on the baby animal bracket madness because it was quite the upset yesterday. And we do not want to send another baby harp seal home empty handed because that was not okay. I mean, the baby harp seal is a number one seed. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it is. Or do you was. say it is, or is, do you say it was? Was. I mean, I wouldn't say that the baby deer is a 16 seed. You know, I wouldn't say it was that big of an upset. No, but it's like that's because we only had a 32 team bracket, so right. it's an eight seed. All right, so yeah, an eight I seed. I say it was, well, I was comparing it to the biggest upset of real March Madness. So you're saying it's not a University of Maryland Baltimore County Retriever exactly against the Virginia Commodore. But I would say, you know, it was maybe a six seven seed. But for the matchup, it had to be Blake's right. It was an eight. So like a like a 12 over five kind of thing. Yeah. We're like, you've heard it happens about once a year kind of thing. Yeah, right. but, but not that often. I mean, it's not unprecedented. Right. But, but here's the other thing is sometimes those uh, baby harp seals, baby puppies, baby kittens, they got to up their game. You know, they got to get into, they got to try new things. They, they gotta get, get lazy. Into, they do. Well, you That's know who a good gets point. Lazy? They rest on their laurels. You know who gets lazy? lazy is the voting public. The voting public gets lazy. They forget to vote. And baby harp seal goes home. And that's a fault. sad freaking seal. If you're at home right now and you didn't vote mm-hmm. for baby harp seal, mm-hmm. that's on you. That's on you. That's an excellent point. That's you got to right. carry that weight. Uh, to vote in this next round, 
Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. It's the big banner right there on the front of our page. Just go through it. You can uh, click through. It's just easy. There's pictures included. You'll get to see what a baby octopus looks like. Mm. I don't think that's good. I actually don't enjoy the baby octopus. Well, you don't, don't. I saw a video yesterday of them being born, and it's adorable. No. I cannot find any animal being born video that is adorable. Actually, it's not adorable because for about 78% of the video, I had no idea what I was watching. Is that what you're doing when you leave (laughs) us? You go home and watch animals being born? I was sitting right here, actually. Uh, That's even worse. What do you do while you're talking? Show's that good, huh? KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. And again, baby animal bracket is right there. Yeah. Coming up next, Fritz Coleman from Channel 4 joins us all about the storm coverage, what we can expect as we move through this afternoon, and what we can expect through tomorrow and the weekend. Next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, it's Thursday, March 22nd. Next hour, John and Ken are going to check in with Chris and Carlos, see how things are going out in Montecito, Santa Barbara. He's been out there in a firsthand look at uh, the what we thought might be debris flows, but uh, so far the hills have been holding, so that's good news. Hey, your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need dental implants? Have other issues? Call Cunning Dental. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. Well, we have seen as this storm has rolled through flash flood watches and warnings throughout several areas. There have been some small slides, some small debris flows that have closed some roads. But for the most part, it seems our hills have been holding. Uh, Fritz Coleman from uh, down the street and around the corner at Channel 4 is joining us. Hey, Fritz, how's it going? Hey, guys, how are you? So Well, so far we've been inside, and I hope you have too, so we haven't had to deal with too much of this. No, you're, you're right. I, I think what we're seeing is the backside of this thing now. Uh, the heaviest rain is in the Inland Empire right now, and behind this front is cold air. We may get some thunderstorms and residual showers this afternoon, but I think the heaviest period has probably gone through the majority of the area. This is kind of the best-case scenario so far for an atmospheric river, uh, just a river of water waiting to pummel us because we needed rain here in California, and we haven't got, we don't have many rain days. So to get this much rain, is it's kind of good for us, right? It really is. I, I think over the last uh, 15 years or so, we've had three of these, we call them March miracles, where we have well below normal average rainfall from late October, November, December, January, February. And we think, oh, my gosh, can we categorize this as a drought winter? And then all of a sudden, boom. And we've we've made up some serious ground. And um, the 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 really fortunate part of this particular episode is the rainfall rate. The National Weather Service has decided that in order for uh, the greatest danger of mudslides to occur, the rain has to fall between a half inch and an inch per hour. And thankfully, in most cases, we've stayed below that for this whole uh, episode, which is uh, which is a gift. We've had a lot of rain, but it's been spaced out over 48 hours. And so, thankfully, a lot of mud hasn't moved, at least yet. You mentioned, Fritz, the possibility of some thunderstorms later tonight. With that unsettled air... Do we see the possibility of those rainfall rates increasing? 
Exactly. That's a really good point. When you get in a thunderstorm, you have uh, a lot of rain in a brief period of time. You can get one to two inches per hour. That's well above what would be mudslide threshold. Uh, the fortunate thing about those is that they don't last very long. So um, we're, we're, we're crossing our fingers that some of those vulnerable spots like uh, the uh, Sherpa Fire, Thomas Fire up in Santa Barbara, Ventura County, uh, and down in L.A. County, the Creek, Sand, and Latuna fires, uh, should they get a, a thunderstorm, it would be brief. Uh, but but you're right about that. That's what we worry about. Plus all the other things that happen, you, you know, the gusty winds and the hail and the other uh, dangerous aspects of the thunderstorm. I'm talking to Fritz Coleman, NBC4. What can we expect for this weekend? What's it going to look like? Okay, all this is going to wrap its work up probably by midnight tonight. We're, we're seeing the front move through the Inland Empire and the San Bernardino and San Jacinto Mountains and down into the desert. And then we'll have the cold air that follows the front, and that's when the unstable part, the thunderstorms could happen. So, But once we get past sunset, um, we, we the, the atmosphere is less volatile, so we lessen the chances of thunderstorms, so that chance goes away. Then it's just residual showers. And I think in time for your morning commute tomorrow, there'll be some scattered showers maybe in the foothills and the mountains. But by tomorrow afternoon, we'll be back to partly cloudy skies and we'll be, we'll be stabilizing. It won't be warm over the weekend, but the sun will return. It'll be beautiful, those great post-storm Southern California days yeah, good, right through the middle of next week. Good hiking weather, it sounds like. Exactly. Hey, uh, we've been paying attention mostly from Santa Barbara and points south because of the concern, obviously, with the fires and the burn scars. How has this storm affected Northern California? Have they been getting dumped on also? Well, I got to tell you, this is a, this is one of the greatest pieces of luck with this storm. You know, the atmospheric river, the other name for it is a pineapple express, gets its name because it's really warm tropical air. So it wreaks havoc on our local mountains. For instance, up until today, we've had an eight to nine thousand foot snow level, which is you know bad news for the ski resorts, which are sixty five hundred feet. So it kind of washes out all the good work we've done up there. However, in northern California, which is the northern extreme of this atmospheric river, there's still a lot of cold there. So the northern and central Sierra have still been getting a lot of snow. So the snowpack, even more important than our recovery to our rainfall averages, is the snowpack. And they're getting hammered up there, which is great news because that's the bank from which we make withdrawals during the warm summer months for our water supply down here. So it's all good news for everybody. Fritz, do you love events like this? Do you stay up like all night and all day and checking everything and Doppler radar and all that stuff? I'm up late at night, 2 in the morning, with a Dr. Pepper watching the isobars. It's a very exciting time. It's like being an understudy on Broadway. You only get to go on like once every five years, but when you go on, it's a, you know, there's a good adrenaline pump out of it. Excellent analogy. Uh, and Fritz, I don't know if you know this. I mean, you've referred to the Pineapple Express, but if I'm not mistaken, that's that's two parts rum, one part pineapple juice, and one part lime juice. Exactly. And a splash of soda, right? Exactly. Okay, very just want to make sure. I got to get it right tonight. All right. All right. Fritz, thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. See you guys. Take care. Fritz Coleman there from uh, from NBC4. um, I just pictured him on a Broadway stage holding a Dr. Pepper, doing like high kicks, walking across the stage. (laughs) What? Well, what did you eat for lunch? Didn't you hear what he said? Yes. About the Dr. Pepper at two in the morning and being an understudy? Right. And this is his time to shine? I guess. Um, I did say that this is going to be a great weekend for hiking, although the city of Burbank's hiking trails have all been closed.
Well, then so you don't go to, hiking in Burbank. Well, and not today. I mean, by Saturday, I would assume it things gets it gets a little. Up to it, the yeah, point. tomorrow it'll be soupy, probably a little soupy. Saturday. Sunday will be prime hiking morning. Yeah, I bet. And all of next week is expected to be dry. I mean, after like like Fritz said, after midnight tonight, the majority of all of this will be going away by noon tomorrow. We should see plenty of clear skies, and then it looks all the way through Easter, as a matter of fact, which is April first. We should see a clear, dry, not exceptionally warm. But just clear and dry uh, conditions. It's funny. Yesterday, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I want to go for a run. And then I'm like, oh, but it's raining. I can't run. And then I'm like, you horse's bottom. It's like four days out of the year that it's raining outside and you can't go outside to run. You have been Boo-hoo. So- uh, I, I, did, I ran a little bit last night only because the sidewalks were dry. Now, how pansy is that? I lived, for, I lived in Seattle for six years and would run all the time. In rain, no rain, didn't matter, I, and I never complained about it. Now you live down here for a while, and you go. Mm. At least the sidewalks are dry. Misting. Oh. Hey, uh, <laughs> by the way, Santa Anita had to cancel its uh, its schedule today. Because so Conway had no plans then today. I What's he doing right now? Well, I I assume you could still go to the park and uh, bet on other races. Oh, you could do right? off-track betting. Right. That's exactly where he is. He's in that scary room at the bottom of the track. <laughs> If you've been, you know which one I'm talking about. Are you the about. one or is he the one who said it smells like mustard? I I did. I know he said that in the past. Well, I know he has he has coined the term mustard people. These are the people that are not the fancy people who sit in the boxes, but they sit right. in the general seating. And when you sit in those areas, as Conway will tell you the story, you can't leave. You can't not get mustard on you. Like every even even if you didn't have any mustard at the track. You leave the track with some part of your clothing having a mustard uh, blotch on it. It just, it gets everywhere. You know, the guy next to you has a pretzel, and then the guy on this side has a bratwurst. And, you know, the tickets are flying, the mustard's flying, and those are the mustard people. Mustard people. Um, we uh, we were watching and listening to uh, to Chris Ancarlo, who is in Montecito. If you want to check out some of his videos, by the way, you can follow him at Chris Ancarlo on Twitter. I also retweeted one of the later videos that he did from this morning, and he he shows you Montecito Creek. He's standing. He's been standing next to it almost all morning long. And the a couple of things to note, number one, that the creek is still within its banks despite the amount of rain that they've seen up in that area. But second, the fact that there are still very uh, s- specific clues about the mudslide that happened back on January 9th that killed 21 people because there are homes literally ripped in half that have not been torn down yet. I don't know if it's a matter of they got to wait for the weather to dry up completely or it's just it's a matter been, of getting in there to do it. It's been a big to-do list for them. Yeah, and he said 50,000 truckloads or whatever the number was of, of debris that's already been removed and they still have four times, five times that amount to get out of there before that's at least some semblance of normal. You know what I would like to do right now? Go to Knott's Berry Farm. You can't because it's closed. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it the rain? Magic Mountain. Closed. Where am I supposed to go on an amusement ride this afternoon? Disneyland's open. Okay. Disneyland and the rain can be fun. It can but that's be... not what I was thinking about. Oh, what? I would like to give this away. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. All right, now here's how it goes. If you win 
They will give you a call, but it might be from a number that you don't recognize. You've got to pick up the phone. Just think, if it's not the call that tells you you want $1,000, it's some telemarketer that you can tell off. Or you could tell them that they want $1,000. Oh, yeah. I love that move. That was a good one you came up with. <laughs> Thanks for calling. You have won $1,000. Uh, but if you don't win this time, do not forget your next chance to win is coming up next hour. And then you have a chance to win $1,000 an hour during the John and Ken show, and the 6 o'clock hour on the Conway show. And we do it all again tomorrow from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through that first hour of Conway. What a great way to go into the weekend by winning $1,000. That's a good idea. Hey, I think Mark Saltzman's on the line. Let's get into Tech Talk now. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk. Brought to you by Skynet. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, and it is time for our tech time with our tech guru, guru, genius Mark Saltzman from USA Today. Hey, Mark. Hey. hey, how are you guys? Great. Hey, uh, there have been a lot of stories in the news this week about uh, technology stuff, and I wanted to start with the uh, – w- you have a great article about spring break trips and uh, some apps that you can use to help take the stress out of travel. So we'll get to that and end on a happy note. But Facebook has been in the news lately, probably uh, against its own will here, because of a lot of information that is garnered from the social media site. And we've seen it used in political uh, in the political world. We've seen it used to, uh, you know, to steal people's identity. Facebook has had to deal with this before. What's going on now? Yeah, so according to a recent report by uh, both the New York Times and the Observer, a research firm called Cambridge Analytica found that Facebook had collected, I think, about 50 million users' personal information without their consent. And uh, this firm had used it in order to target specific political ads to which arguably could have and possibly have swayed the election um, back in 2016. So the, the issue here is transparency. It's, well, there's two, two issues. One is how much are we really revealing on Facebook? How much do they really know about us? I suspect a lot, some of which we are freely signing off on whether we read the fine print or not. And then the other one is, you know, what is Facebook doing unbeknownst to its users? And that's really what the issue here is it's reflected in the, the stock drop this week, billions and billions of dollars of market value taken off the company. You know, will they will they be okay in the end? Yeah, uh, but this is a huge issue. Um, and it's not just Facebook, but then it raises the questions about other companies that Facebook owns that we all use, like Instagram, Facebook Messenger, which is its own subsidiary whatsapp messenger so a lot of people are saying let's ditch facebook including the whatsapp co-founder uh brian acton who made you know with his partner 16 billion dollars back in 2014 when facebook bought them uh he's even saying you know there's this hashtag going out there delete facebook i don't know if your listeners uh your kfi listeners want to go so far as to delete facebook but you can do some things to limit the data that you give the company well, I, I was going to ask. I'm not a huge Facebook user personally. I'm I I'm a more of a consumer, I guess. But I don't interact a lot. I rarely post messages. In fact, when I do, my wife thinks something's wrong with me. Is that one way to do it? Is just to simply be an observer a and voyeur? not really, yeah, <laughs> just peek yeah, in on stuff. Yeah, so you're you're lim- you would limit the things that you post, the things you upload, like photos. You would limit your likes. Don't 
don't forget, uh, you know, almost every website out there uh, has what's called Facebook Pixel. It's a little plug-in, which has a little thumbs up. You know, if you like an article that you read at uh, KFI, or I'm assuming you have that um, integrated Facebook, but many millions of other websites do, where you can um, either post a comment. I know at USA Today, one of the publications I contribute to, we ditched our own um, comment section in favor of Facebook, a plugin. So it's becoming like a, you know, a mainstream way of interacting with other readers of that same article or giving a thumbs up to something that you like. So you can limit that, absolutely. You can also do things like logging out of Facebook before you browse the web because you are giving permission to Facebook when you sign up for the social media service that they can find out where you're going before and after you visited Facebook as well as what you're typing into Google so it can better target ads for you is what their argument and then, is. And then they sell that information to advertisers? Well, so that often comes with the third-party apps that we voluntarily, we opt in on. So that's another tip, Shannon, actually, a good one, is to go into your settings and, and deselect uh, these plugins or add-ons to Facebook. You know, I think you do give, you do grant Facebook some privileges to sell your data. Um, other other data is, is supposed to be anonymous and private. You never know. And I don't think, you know, Facebook right now is under the microscope, but I, I think they're all guilty. All of these sites are guilty of it. And again, a lot of it, the onus is on us. We are signing off on what we're allowing to do. When we're on our phones and you're allowing Google to track your location, Google saying, well, if you type in pizza in Google Maps on your phone, we need to know your location so we can give you a near by pizza place to visit, not somewhere in like, you know, whatever, in Seattle when you're in L.A. So that makes sense. But when you sign up for a game and they want permission to your camera, uh, to your contact list, that there's no reason why you should be agreeing to that, whether it's Facebook or another company. So there are some things you can do if you're concerned. You can go, <laughs> go to Google and you can type, um, you know, Facebook privacy settings, and you'll see a lot of great suggestions out there. We're talking to Mark Saltzman, our tech expert. He also writes columns for USA Today, among other platforms. And Uber was in the news earlier in the week for some trouble with a self-driving car out in Arizona. As we know, Mm -hmm. uh, Uber wanted to put its test fleet on the streets of California. California said, well, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And Uber said, screw you. We're going to Arizona where the regulations aren't as tough. Apple, though, it seems has really uh, stepped up the number of self-driving cars it has here in California. Yeah, so you're right, Shannon. So let's just quickly cover what what happened. So a a pedestrian was struck and killed uh, in Arizona. She was walking her bike across the road. Uh, But according to the sheriff and and to some of the the police uh, men and women who had commented on on media about this, it was, you know, late at night. She was not at a crosswalk, and she kind of, jetted out in between vehicles. Uh, so even a human, I think, would have not been able to respond in time in defense of the technology. No, it is not perfect, and it, one life is too, one life too many. So I'm not trying to belittle uh, what happened. But, you know, if you consider that 94.5% of all car accidents are caused by human error, you may be willing to give autonomous vehicles a shot. And it is still early days, and these things are going to happen. It, it is unfortunate. Um, but you can't just test the technology in a controlled environment. There was a human, by the way, behind the wheel of this Uber vehicle, but apparently she also wouldn't have been able to stop in time. I, I, I think the verdict is still out on what she was doing when this pedestrian was struck. But to go back to your uh, latter comment, Shannon, uh, so yeah, according to uh, the Financial Times, 
uh, there's more cars, uh, self-driving cars being tested by Apple in California than other companies, including Uber and even Waymo and some of these other uh, independent uh, pop-up companies that are testing um, self-driving cars. And even the big guys like GM, they have their cruise division, which is a self-driving car division. So apparently Apple, we knew this for, you know, in the media, technology media, we've known for uh, a couple of years now that Apple's been secretly hiring uh, people to test autonomous or self-driving vehicles. So, yeah, this is pretty exciting stuff. If you're interested in this space and you're interested in how it's evolving, the company apparently, Apple apparently has uh, 45 autonomous test vehicles that are registered with California's Department of Motor Vehicles, which is up from 27 in late January. So they've, for all intents and purposes, doubled down in three months. And that is more than the other players, whether they be small ones or, or the big guys. So they are testing. Uh, so we could be very well on this segment if we're still doing this in a couple of years from now, talking about Apple being, you know, uh, on top of the, the autonomous driving uh, craze. We'll see. It's, it's still early days, though. There's a lot of legislative hoops to jump through. There's a lot of insurance implications. I'm test driving, by the way, right now a um, – a, speaking of GM, it's a Cadillac it's a CT6, so this is a, their larger sedan. It's 2018, and it has this technology called Super Cruise. So when you're on a freeway, you press a button on, on the uh, on the wheel, and not only will it keep its distance and decelerate or accelerate, depending on the vehicle in front of you, uh, but it'll also keep you in your lane. So you keep your hands, you know, up or, or at your side, and the wheel will turn and keep you inside of the lane, even as the freeway, uh, you know, uh, turns and twists and turns. So it's pretty neat te- technology, and it does work. Uh, it's a little freaky. I'm kind of going to return it tomorrow, but it does work. I, I put it to the test. Very cool. Now, you put together this uh, great list of apps that people might want to get before they head out for their spring break vacation. Give us just a couple of your favorites, and we'll make sure that we throw the entire list up on the website. What are your favorites in terms of making travel a bit easier? Sure thing. Speaking of the road, hitting the road, spring break, depending on where you live, of course, spring break has already happened, or most of the time it is in late March or early April. So I did put together for USA Today a list of some of my favorites, which include TripIt, which is a great app owned by Concur, and this helps you manage your itinerary. All you need to do is, you know, whether you have your, your flight confirmation in an email or a hotel message or a rental car message, all you have to do is forward it to an email address. I think it's plans at TripIt.com. And the service will automatically organize everything into a detailed summary for you in one place on the app. It'll also show you maps, all your confirmation codes, and this is all free. There is an optional TripIt Pro service, but there's a lot that the free TripIt offers to just help you stay managed, whether you're you're doing a road trip or whether you're taking a flight somewhere. Uh, if you are doing a road trip, uh, another great app is called simply Road Trippers, and it works uh, both in the U.S. and in Canada, and it lets you discover millions of places along your route, whether you need a great restaurant, and of course Yelp is a great uh, app to have as well. Or the uh, vintage motel, cheese at Bravo Farms. What's that? My last road trip. <laughs> we stopped at Bravo Farms and got some vintage cheese. Awesome. Yeah, I love those quirky sort of uh, <laughs> roadside attractions totally. and other points of interest like that. <laughs> Mark, awesome. thank you so much. Thanks, guys. And again, we'll make sure that we throw the entire list up, uh, a link to the uh, to the article that Mark that included other things like Hotels.com and Google Translate and how you can use Netflix and Amazon to download stuff so that uh, the road trip is a bit easier. Coming up, wow, we've got all of these stories. They're these like are, they're sciencey. These are great stories. They're all, yeah, it's not uh, it's not the boring science class. Like space science. 
because some of them have to do with space, like the Chinese space station and the guy who found Mars again. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, but they're not all space. They're not all spacey uh, right. science. Like ocean garbage. They're kind of odd, odd science. What? Odd science. That's stupid. Sorry. That's kind of stupid. We'll, we'll figure just, out it. We're workshopping it. We're doing something. We'll figure it out during the break, mm-hmm. I suppose. We'll come back and tell you our science stories right here on the Gary and Shannon Show. Thursday, March 22nd, we are now in the uh, final, final kicks of the storm that's rolling through. I think Fritz Coleman said, we're looking up its backside. I may be misremembering that exactly how he worded it, but the flash flood warnings are still up in some areas around Southern California, and there is a possibility of some thunderstorms rolling in later tonight as we see more unsettled air sort of on the backside of this storm. There I go again. And with that, we see the potential for some uh, heavy downpours, very heavy rates of rainfall. So we're not out of the woods yet, but by, say, midnight tonight, the vast majority of the storm will have moved through, and we should see a, a pretty nice day, pretty nice weekend in store. Crazy story about the founder of Toys R Us. Toys R Us has dominated the news uh, this week about the fact that it has gone, well, belly up. Charles Lazarus was the man who founded Toys R Us in 1948. He just died. I mean, he was 94 years old. But you got to believe, you know, you hear these stories. You hear these stories of people who lose a business or or a loved one, and then there's nothing left there. He was the guy who returned from World War II. He noticed the baby boom generation all making babies, so he uh, founds this um, uh, children's furniture store, right? Cribs and the like. And then the parents come in and they're buying the cribs and the, and the beds, but it's a one-time deal. And they said, well, where do you think we can get toys? And he thought, oh, that's something they'll come back and buy over and over and over again. And that's yeah. how he came up with the idea. Uh, the other story was that the president uh, is signing some trade restrictions with China to block about $50 billion in imports. The uh, U.S. Trade Representative's office is going to get more specifics. But as a result of that, the Dow dropped 724 points today. So uh, we'll see how the world markets react and all of that. Oh, uh, hey, I came I, up with an idea. I just, I did too. Oh, really? We'll say same time. Ready? Strange. Three. Oh, Sorry. Oh. You didn't know you were going to count. I was going to do a countdown. Okay, ready? Yeah. Three, two, strange. one. Strange. Oh, when are we saying it? Okay, well, my idea was strange science. That's what I was going to say. Okay. okay. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. Oh, there's some good stories in here. Oh, man. Do you want to get to the fake news strange science story first? Uh, yes. Okay. I don't know. Do you subscribe to Astronomer's Telegram? I find it to be a little childish for what I do. You know, I do have that NASA T-shirt. Yeah, but... Astronomer's Telegram can be a little hinky. If nothing else, just the personal ads in the back are hot. Anyway, uh, there is a guy, Peter Dunsby, cosmology professor from the University of Cape Town, who breathlessly if you can do that, types uh, a report of something he found while staring into the night sky. This it was, was a, a strange, ago. bright light. 
What was it? Yeah, very. Peter Dunsby reports the detection of a very bright optical transient in the region between the lagoon and triflid nebulae based on observation obtained from Cape Town uh, between 1 and 345 UT. Visible through the full duration of the observations, not seen when this field was observed previously. This came out of nowhere. It's a big bright light in the sky. Unfortunately, Peter, it wasn't. It's Mars. Oh. 40 minutes later, he wrote another... Another message on Astronomer's Telegram that says the object has been identified as Mars. But maybe he felt like he rediscovered it. That's sad. That's very sad. The other space story that uh, falls in our strange science news is the out-of-control Chinese space station that will soon be falling back to the Earth. Not a giant deal, except that it might crash into New York City. Although they're saying it's not likely. There are a high, number of highly populated cities where Tiangong-1 could come crashing back to the planet between March 30th and April 6th. Um, and they say the reason they believe – they don't know – first of all, they have no idea exactly. What they're doing is they're ge- basically giving us a one-week window. Well, you know, New York uh, isn't the only city it could – crash into it's also in the mildly populated places of barcelona beijing chicago istanbul rome and toronto now it's like let's find the biggest cities on the planet the the way the reason they're saying those cities specifically it's a narrow strip around the latitudes of 43 43 degrees north the ones that she read and then 43 degree south which would be like uh, a place in Argentina or Australia or in New Zealand. It's traveling parallel to the equator at the most northern and southern points of its orbit. So, and when it's in those areas there, it appears to be traveling more slowly above those regions, although it's technically an illusion thanks to the geometry relative to the Earth. The speed is, is remaining constant, but it spends more time in that area than it does crossing the equator, for example. So they're saying that this eight-and-a-half-ton space station could come down. The The biggest concern is that it still holds a bunch of hydrazine, mm. which is a rocket fuel. Dr. Hugh Lewis is a senior lecturer at aerospace or in aerospace engineering at University of Southampton. He says, we can't say precisely where it's going to enter. We don't know which orbit it will come in on. At this point, it's very difficult to say. Yeah, and they won't know until this thing starts heating up. So that is like Armageddon. We've got to get Bruce Willis. We've got to no. get, uh, who is the, the other guy in that movie? That ben was, Affleck. Ben Affleck. We've got to get Steven Tyler's daughter. we got to get him on the phone. And bet humanity on those three? Yes, okay. it worked in the movie. Uh, no. I mean, yes, it did, but mm-hmm. this is not exactly the same. It, it could potentially, they're saying that it would burn up you know, 90% of it would burn up. And whatever 10% is left that doesn't burn up on reentry could cause some problems. But even if it does go in those areas that are very highly populated, there is a very slim chance that you'll be hit by stuff falling from the sky. I think that the, the numbers were something like you have a 100 times better chance of winning the Mega Millions lottery than you do being hit by satellite. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch... Have you seen this? If you haven't, it's worth a Google. It's terrible. It's a a big heap of plastic floating trash halfway between Hawaii and California. It has grown to twice the size of Texas. 
It was first discovered in the early 1990s. The trash patch comes from countries in the Pacific Rim, Asia, North, South America. It weighs 88,000 tons. If you were to pick it up. But you're not going to pick it up. What do we what do, do you, about What do you do about that's... it? No government has decided that they want to clean it up. So it's just a matter of, it's basically charities like Ocean Cleanup Foundation that are involved in getting, uh, fixing any of this. Hey, since plastic has only been around since the 50s, 50s, there's no way of knowing exactly how long it'll last in the ocean. Well, I would say at least 60 years. If left alone, the plastic could remain there for decades, centuries, or even longer. It's like the ticking time bomb, at least for marine life. Can you see this from space? You, yeah, look, Google it. I Google the patch. Sounds very angrily. I'll have to. I'll Google the patch, and when we come back, I'll tell you my results. Oh, also the story about uh, old ladies growing, um, growing hair on their bodies. You seen this where they reproduce their male uh, hormones? No. I'm not. That doesn't interest me. Hmm. What's got a little thing right there? You got a little. Gary and Channel will continue. Wow. Strange science. More of it. Gary and Shannon. Uh, a couple of things. Is this a retraction? There is no giant ocean garbage collection that is visible from space. The vast majority of what they're describing as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, the Pacific Garbage Gyre, is uh, microplastics. That if you're even in it, for the most part, that they're talking about, you wouldn't know what it was unless you were looking for it. You wouldn't know because the, it would just appear that the water was cloudier than normal. Did even though there is, the there is trash. Yes, I've seen, yeah. I've seen pictures. So it's, it's like a debris v- a field, I guess you could say. There are portions of it where there's bigger pieces of plastics, yeah. like bigger, as big as a piece of paper or even bigger like jugs uh, that, that are floating out there. But uh, they said for the most part you can't see it from, from a satellite picture. And the idea that it was twice the size of Texas depends on your measurements, depends on what it is that you're measuring. Are you well, measuring the area that's got... Well, it seems like there's two of them. Oh, there's, there are multiple. I think there's, there's like, five around yeah, the world. So it, they may be combining them. Because if it's twice the size of Texas, it should be visible from space. Right. The uh, The other thing is, and I this is probably even more terrifying than that, is how much of that stuff floats and how much of it sinks. If it's in an area where... Did you ever have one of those doughboy pools when you were a kid? Above ground pool in the sure. backyard. Yeah, a little plastic. Uh, well, my dad always used to make us walk around in a circle in that pool because by doing that, all of the dirt, the debris, the leaves, and everything that had fallen into the pool would go towards the middle. And you'd create sort of the your own little vortex in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked us like slaves. Yes, that's Good. what we did. And then he would just take with one scoop, scoop out the leaves in the top. And then at the bottom, the heavier stuff, the dirt and everything would grow, would just be in a little circle swirling around at the bottom. And he could do the same thing, scoop in with the little, little shovel and boom, yeah. get that stuff out of there. The issue with this garbage patch is not only do you have the stuff that's gathering on the top, these bottles and everything, the plastics that would float on the top. There are plastics that would sink as well. And they're saying that they believe that as big as this is above the water, you know, at the surface of the water and just below the surface – that there's all kinds of crap on the bottom of the ocean. And that's why they're concerned also about the pollution. So 
there is a female who is growing more hair. Uh, a tumor has caused this female to produce male hormones. She's a female lion. Well, yes. You are making it sound like it was a uh, a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 18-year-old African lion Bridget began to grow the extra hair around her neck and head that last year. Looks good on her. If she was a man lion. But would you be able to? Yes. No, because no, because I think the before you... picture clearly looks like a female lion. The after picture looks like the Lion King, <laughs> not the Lion Queen. Uh, do you remember that song from the Lion King? Yes, I do. Which does one? That start. Which one? The, the at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Natsing Gwenya. Yeah, but it's louder. Magabiti mm-hmm. yeah. It's in Swahili. Did you know that? Actually, in Swahili. Have you heard about the robot fish? I'm hoping the robot fish is our answer to the uh, to the Pacific garbage gyre. How cool is this? Researchers at MIT. Wouldn't you like to be one of them? You would fit in there. No. Not in that shirt, but you would. What does that mean? I just don't think an iHeartRadio shirt would fit in at MIT. Oh, I'd have to have something cooler than this or nerdier no. than this. Actually, you're right. I think it'd be Nerds good. are big with sweatshirts. I think it'd be good. Researchers at MIT have developed Sophie, a soft-bodied robot that glides silently through the water with a smooth, undulating motion designed to mimic the movements of a real fish. So that it doesn't startle the uh, the actual fish. It's the first robotic fish to contend with the currents and pressures of an actual ocean setting for an extended period of time. Did you get your issue of Science Robotics yet? No. This week? I'm, I'm protesting their swimsuit issue. Got it. Well, in yesterday's edition of Science Robotics, the authors uh, describe how Sophie can nimbly navigate a coral reef off Fiji in three dimensions, swimming up, down, left, right, forward, all at the behest of a driver armed with what looks like a Nintendo controller. The robot can handle water depths of about 60 feet and can swim alongside real fish without scaring them. <laughs> like a diver would, perhaps. The lead researcher says, for us, this fish is magical. We imagine someday it might help us uncover more mysteries from the amazing underwater world that we know so little about. Now, this is not uh, this is not foolproof yet. They do say that there are some things that need to make sure... Uh, that they need to make sure that they work out. It's got to have watertight compartments uh, that have to be able to withstand large changes in pressure because the fish would, you know, change the, the water pressure changes depending on how deep or how shallow the fish is swimming. It also has to have adjustable buoyancy so that it could swim at those different depths without floating off to the surface or just sinking like a rock because most fish don't unless they're dead. And then you have to also have an issue because radio frequencies used to communicate with robots on land don't work in the water. That I did not know. The fish, the real fish, know that Sophie is a faux fish. Did you see the picture of Sophie? Yeah. I think the fish are just chill with it. They're like, eh, if you want to hang out with us, that's fine, Soph. But we know you're not truly one of us. We know you're not a real fish. Uh. They're saying the studying of animal behaviors with robotic mimics is especially exciting. 
because they're hoping that they can get up close and personal to these fish without spooking them, even though they may acknowledge there's something wrong with uh, the small wonder. Did you vote for the uh, baby uh, puffer fish? In the- no, I did not, as a matter of fact. I did not. All right. I'm just that I didn't vote for the puffer fish. If you want to vote for our baby animal bracket, now is the opportunity. We're in the air and sea categories. The baby puffer fish is facing off against the baby anteater. Yeah, I chose the anteater. I did as well. Um, but your choices are going to decide who is going to win our baby animal bracket this year. Like, already, will it be baby owl or baby penguin? Some of the big ones are already out. Baby and it duckling is... or baby sugar glider. I, I mean, baby harp seal losing to baby deer was the upset of the week so far. So far. but uh, And by the way, this is just the second round, second half of round one. So we have plenty of voting to do. Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. It's right there out on the uh, on the front of the page. I'm going to order myself a baby deer T-shirt. <laughs> I'll bet you their bookstore is really busy right now. John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. That, that was a good show. I really like them. Gary and Shannon.